Hey there, Horribles. Happy Monday, and hope you're enjoying our supersized Pride coverage on here this month. Uh, if you didn't catch it, last week we had Velvet Buzzsaw's a brand new episode, and we did a, a re-release for Pride of, of one of our favorites, Jennifer's Body. It's one of our, our favorite queer movies we've talked about on here. Today, we're doing the same. We are re-releasing our episode on Anna and the Apocalypse, which has the fantastic character of Steph North, who is, you know, canon lesbian in this story, and is one of the more, like, interesting and complex depictions of, of especially, like, a high school-aged queer woman that we've seen in, in film, period, but especially in horror movies. And we had the great opportunity to uh, interview Sarah Swire, who plays her. We're going to go ahead and repost that interview on Wednesday. Uh, but we wanted to go ahead and put the episode up first so you can hear it and hear us uh, talk about how excited we are about this character and this actress. So check this out. We're going to have this here. And on Friday, you will be hearing us again on a brand new episode talking about the movie Annihilation. We're talking with our good friend Vida Ayala. They are an amazing comic book writer and uh, just writer in general. And if you haven't caught up with their stuff, I mean, they're working on X-Men stuff right now, along with having a, a great catalog of amazing and, in some cases, horror comics. Uh, you should go check that out right now. But either way, you will be hearing uh, from them and us on Friday as we talk about Annihilation. But right now, please enjoy our episode about Anna and the Apocalypse. Stay horrified. Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley. I write comics, books, podcasts, screenplays, etc., and on each episode, we're going to be talking about a piece of work from the horror genre, be it movies, TV shows, podcasts, games, books, comics, poetry, music, fine art. We're open to all sorts of stuff. The one catch is that whatever the piece of art is, we're going to evaluate it through a progressive lens. So we're going to talk about feminism and horror, race and horror, LGBT rep and horror, physical and mental disability and horror. We recognize horror as a genre never agreed to this podcast, but my favorite thing about horror movies is being surprised, and there's nothing more surprising than a horror movie that has something important to say, in between the screams, of course. Talking about horror only seems appropriate at this time when so many of us are queuing up the horror and screaming just to keep from crying. Tonight we're going to be talking about the 2017 movie Anna and the Apocalypse, and with me tonight to do that are my fellow comic book writer Ben Kahn, whose work you might know from Heavenly Blues, Griffin, and the upcoming Renegade Rule. Also with us is psych professor, comic psychology consultant, and one half of the Gotham Outsiders, a Batman book club podcast, Chris Carey. Chris, Hello. Ben, welcome. Hi. Hello. Good to be back. Episode number two. Woo. Don't call it a comeback because it's only the second time. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's also not a sophomore slump. We we never left because we just got here. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so, guys, tonight we're talking about Anna and the Apocalypse, which uh, we should point out is a, a Scottish film uh, directed by John McPhail. Uh, is there 
anything in the way of trigger warnings we want to give up front. Obviously, there's blood, gore, the zombies, if zombie stuff is a problem for you, which I know it is for a lot of people. Uh, singing, if you don't like musicals, <laughs> you're triggered by, by musicals, this might be uh, one to look uh, out for. But generally speaking. My very first note in big bold letters is Christmas music equals fuck everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but this has the best Christmas song of all time in it. <laughs> Jewish person who has no patience for Christmas music in October under any circumstances. Yes, I guess if Christmas is a trigger for you, which I mean, that's <laughs> that's not a joke. Uh, <laughs> it is. Truly. It is for so many people. Christmas I guess, themes. Yeah, uh, it's a musical. No. A thing I did not know going into this film. I feel like I should have warned you, but also that's on literally every piece of media about it. So, in my defense, I assumed you would have read what it was. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the benefit of going in truly blind. It takes a minute to hit the first song, too, so it well, isn't like it's obvious right away. My first thought, like, I paused to write this in the 30 seconds before the first song starts. I have in my notes, are they about to do a Disney Princess I Want song? <laughs> and, and then they did! They were. <laughs> yes, it is a Disney Princess I Want song for at least three different characters. I, think. I haven't been this yes. bewildered since watching New Pope when they said John Malkovich's character looks like John Malkovich. <laughs> so I feel like right off the bat, we should start with, do you like musicals? Because I feel like that'll inform a lot of other parts of this. I, I guess it's it's not the uh, kind of musical that a lot of people very notably hate where everything is sung. Uh, it is a you know Disney style musical where there is Drama, comedy, drama, comedy, drama, comedy, and then musical number, back to the drama, back to the yeah. musical number. There's relatively few songs in this. As somewhat, so I do love musicals. I will say, yeah, and there's, there's enough, not very many. There's enough time between each song that it took me by surprise every time. <laughs> <laughs> do you yeah, hate I, musicals, Ben? Is this what I'm getting? So I'm not a musical fan, and there definitely are musicals that I really love. I gotta say, this really fell into a lot of the pitfalls I that for musicals that fall flat to me. Like a lot of like the songs feel like this very Disney Channel top forty. Style. Aside from a few exceptions, so like I'm not super into that. And in general, like I didn't feel like there was a lot of character or plot moment going on. Like there was some like character stuff. There's a few exceptions, like um, the teacher song and the song when Anna's like coming out and the apocalypse is happening all around her. Flip side of that, in preparation for this podcast, I watched the entire movie and then listened to the soundtrack through twice and then listened to one of the songs 20 more times. I, so which, I think that okay, should tell which you. Song which which song? Yeah, I have to know. I, I'm gonna, I feel like it's gonna be more fun if I wait till we get there and just <laughs> let you all guess if you could figure out which song, because I don't know that it's gonna be obvious, but I have approximately a full page of notes about one song in this movie. <laughs> if it's the song I'm thinking of, I also have in my notes, this is the best, like, I, how is this the best song? How did, the, how did this character get the best song in the ah, movie? It is, it's the same one, Ben. Yep. <laughs> I feel I feel like I know which one it is now too. You know what's funny is my very very unscientific Twitter polling indicated that it's a lot of people's favorite song. <laughs> I, I did not do any Twitter polling about this one beforehand. 
okay, before we jump too hard into the, the plot here, uh, we do have one other thing we want to take care of, and that's uh, sort of our, uh, our guidelines for what type of scary movie it is, uh, just for, for people who are not used to, uh, who maybe don't watch a lot of horror movies or maybe have problems with particular types of horror movies. Is this uh, spoopy, uh, as in uh, not scary, uh, but using you know bits of of spooky to 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 set the mood. Is it spooky where it's you know maybe a little scary? Is it downright terrifying, or is it existentially disconcerting, or is it just none of the above? I, for me, it falls spooky mostly. Although I will say there's some proper jump scares that got me. So I think it's it's inching towards spooky, but it's not one that left me scared after it was over. I would definitely go spoopy with like, there's an honest sincerity and like and an innocence yes. to this movie. Like this, I'm so used to horror movies um, that don't care about its characters. Yeah. And I'm so used to like, so like a movie like this, I'm so, I went into it with such the mindset of like, oh, I'm going to either hate or not care about these characters and I'm just going to enjoy seeing them get like, eaten by zombies and it's not that it's not that this movie cares about its characters and really treats them as like good as like oh no like as real human beings like and there were some some of the depths in this movie where i'm like oh wow i'm so much sadder to lose this character than i thought i was gonna be right there's definitely we'll get there when we get there but i cried three separate times in this movie and i'm not afraid to admit it I, i think it only i think it only got me once as far as like tearing up or being overly attached to a character but like yeah there's definitely a feeling of like you you really start to connect to a few of these characters i don't know if it's the music or just the sincerity of them being they're all very high school characters yeah but they're not they're not particularly types that you're used to seeing in in high school musical type movies for um, sure. Yeah. I, I was th- I was very surprised by the way really all the characters defied my expectations for who I thought they were going to be going. I agree. Yeah, I feel like all of them did. Yeah, I have an ongoing conversation with my partner about how teenagers are written in movies because a lot of times you'll watch a movie and be like, oh, the writers hate teenagers and you can tell. But yeah. this this one, the writers understood teenagers and, and there was them. yeah there was a lot of compassion for absolutely teenagers in this movie i i will go ahead right on the record and say that there are no chips in this movie i loved everyone i did I mean, have you i did i did have i did have high uk chip in my notes there is one character who is well on the way to being a chip in this movie but uh but gets saved he from takes, it. He takes rejection like a champ. That's what it. That's what saves him from it. Yeah, yep. we'll get there when we get there. But the way yep. that he handles it is what makes him not a chip. The way he was like not wanting her to travel was like really rubbing me the wrong way. It was, but it was like a surprisingly healthy scene of communication that worked out. Because at first when he oh, said yeah. that, I was like, oh, this asshole. And then he, like the conversation went on and I was the- like, Oh, that was oh. a really that was a really good scene. It was really just like the lead up to that scene that I was frustrated with. His ben, I'm going to make you love this movie by the end. I just can <laughs> tell right now. <laughs> you know what I what I think is interesting to me is you know there there are a lot of uh, as as opposed to Jennifer's body, which was uh, basically all the the major creative decisions seem to be made by women in that. There is mm-hmm. you know much more in the way of, of guys involved in this, um, and I think. F- uh, on the positive end, I think that ends up coming less to like 
the girls not being written well or uh, having issues and more in the like the guys feel very sort of authentically high school and interesting ways yeah Yeah. I think all of the characters end up feeling pretty real um, in surprising ways there's even there was a again when it happens I'll point it out but there is a moment where I had to remind myself that this wasn't written by a woman because it was such a classically like oh somebody who understands what women are like i yeah. chris i will say this i do like the movie a lot more if uh i had canon as the origin story for a thruple oh yes <laughs> <laughs> oh yes <laughs> i mean we don't know that didn't happen right <laughs> we survived well, the apocalypse together it was so. christmas and you know zombies one thing led to another. All of our friends were dead. <laughs> yeah, I think interestingly, all of the girls in this movie throughout are, are not bending to any any particular stereotype. Um, but all three of the main male characters kind of start out as a particular stereotype and throughout the course of the movie, like, get better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I there's agree. Some char- like, there's some characters where this movie, some characters get like a single line to flesh themselves out but it can be like a really effective line yeah i would agree with that i feel like i know these people by the end of it very well considering you know there's so many of them it was honestly surprising they all got fleshed out as much as they did that was one element of the movie and i feel like that was kind of a flip side of the coin of like well look at all of these characters and how well developed they are is I felt like there was the movie was juggling a few too many relationships. It's fair, but for at least for me, it worked. I certainly, you know, when that uh, when they establish how many people are going to be in this uh, band, I was like, oh, I see the cannon fodder, and yet even the two that are obviously cannon fodder, I had feelings about dying. I think they surprised you quite a few times in this movie because I, I don't think I that, think the uh, relationship that really fell flat for me in this movie was. Honestly, kind of between Anna and her dad. Really? Because that worked for me. Though that could just be because, so my parents are big murder mystery fans and they love a British murder mystery. (laughs) And that actor plays on a show called uh, Shakespeare at Hathaway and he's the main character. So I grew up with that actor. The minute I saw him, I was like, oh, that guy. And felt a lot of feelings the rest of the movie. (laughs) You know, speaking of that, it's, this is remarkably gross. light on the six known British actors. Um, <laughs> there was, yeah, nobody known at all. There was only one Game of Thrones alumni. <laughs> who, uh, as the completely knows nothing about Game of Thrones in this, who who was it? Uh, it was uh, the Headmaster Savage. Yeah. Oh, really? You know yeah. what? He was living like it was Game of Thrones. That makes sense. Yeah, he had, uh, he played... Thoros of Mir, a drunk priest with a magically on fire sword. Uh, I guess it was last night, the night before I watched uh, Prevenge, which is a, a little indie British horror movie. And I was like, oh, wow, like, I don't know a lot of people in this, uh, this movie. It's, it's, really, it's really good. I'm going to have to you know, follow up with some of these. And then uh, there were you know, two different uh, Game of Thrones characters that showed up later in the, in the movie. And I was like, oh. Who's the other one? You ever seen Chernobyl, which is some great horror in its own right? Uh, it does. Each episode does become a fun game of spot the Game of Thrones actor. <laughs> there's all there's a there's a few in each episode. You gotta love it. 
Yeah, I feel like that's just about everything at this point. Game of Thrones oh, yeah. had such a large cast. Almost um, the entire British acting pool was either in <laughs> Game of Thrones and or the Harry Potter movies. And Ed Sheeran. That's the only thing I know about Game of Thrones. Uh, well, Ed, she- <laughs> Ed Sheeran also, yeah, Game of Thrones. Act. That's uh, all I know about not, it. <laughs> not, I don't know if he's British, but I'm going to say he's not part of the British talent pool. Hmm. Is he British? He's certainly. I don't think so. I don't think he is. I could not tell you. He's as British as Madonna. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's. Uh... Oh, he is. Oh wait, no, he is. I'm I sorry. He is. Okay. He is I, I was. Know? I was seriously doubting myself because I was like, I really thought he was British, but okay. I mean, I it just, wouldn't be the first yeah. time I was wrong about this. I mean, as, as with a name like Ed Sheeran, he kind of has to be right. Like, that's a that feels like a very british name to me i go by the wesley snipes rule like you'd think wesley snipes would be the tweedly british guy from 30 rock and yet <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's jump into uh the the plot here we're going to go through what happens in the movie there will be spoilers for everything so if you want to go watch the movie and you haven't already go go do that now uh, unless you want us to tell you everything that happened so that you won't be surprised by the scary movie so uh, th- we, we start off, uh, we're in sort of uh, rural Scotland. Um, Anna and her best friend John are in the back of a car on the way to school. Um, how, long did it take, how long did it take the two of you to realize they were not dating? Because it took me five scenes. I was for a minute sure that he was gay best friend. I honestly he- thought like, just because like, oh, they're driving together. Dad's driving them for a minute, like just from their first, like, they're very preserved. I thought, like, oh, is that her brother? Like, are they twins? I, I love thought. that all three of us assumed he was a different person in her life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it took me until he was singing about not being her the boyfriend for me to go, oh, I guess he's not her boyfriend. <laughs> Once he started saying your dad, I'm like, oh, okay, so he's not a brother. <laughs> So I caught so, on to that part at least pretty quickly. Like, okay, John, one of us misunderstands your relationship. It's either you or the viewer. John inadvertently brings up that uh, Anna is not planning on going to university after high school. She's planning on traveling abroad, going to Australia, uh, which causes a, an argument between her and her dad. This argument was very silly. Like, she wasn't saying she wasn't going to uni at all. She was saying she was taking a gap year. That's a very normal thing. People do that all the time. It's a very European thing, too, right? Yeah, that seemed like, like, I feel like a gap year is a very socially acceptable thing for an 18-year-old to do. Now, John did note that this was an unusual way for her dad to be acting. And I I guess that line was thrown in there, so you don't immediately assume he's a terrible father. I assume it had something to do with the mother being dead, because they mentioned that enough that I'm like, take a shot every time they mention the dead mom. I was going to say, was her mom dead? I missed that. It's not like they said it in every scene. Yeah, so I, I think that's the explanation for the way the dad is acting, even though they don't say it at this point, is like, this is this is clearly a dad who's you know doing his best to to raise a daughter by himself, and I think her like deciding not to go to university immediately and do the the best thing for her. He's taking a sort of a reflection on himself as you know being a, a dad who you know who has, has somehow failed his dead wife by uh, you know failing to get their their daughter to university and, and yeah. doing what she ought to be doing. The other part of that story of that scene where they're driving along that jumped out to me, especially in here in the oh so wonderful year of 2020, is 
active pandemic news about zombie virus. My first note on this movie is, wow, zombie movies hit different in 2020, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, boring. I'm like, fucking, no, that's an important pandemic update. Who turns away from that? Lots of people, it turns out. I, I, I have, have this ongoing thing about how I used to think zombie movies were inaccurate, and then I lived through a pandemic, and I'm like, no, accurate. People would walk up to zombies and poke them. It would happen. I will say the the evacuation selfie like scene amazing is uh, I loved that the way that that is accurate and I feel attacked <laughs> that was so perfect because that's exactly what would happen it was not only what would happen it's what has happened <laughs> yeah and this gets very um after we leave these first few scenes here it it's going to get very Shaun of the Dead very quickly um, yes yes because, yeah, this, you know, this first day uh, is a lot of, like, establishing the norm of the high school and, you know, all the, the stuff that they're dealing with. A lot and of then... choreographed dance numbers. <laughs> Which yeah. I enjoyed, I will say. I assume it's a performing high school in Scotland. <laughs> the, the first choreo for the very first song where everyone in unison flips their hair was my favorite thing. <laughs> I have no notes for the musical for like the first. Oh, don't worry. Because I, I was, will, just, I have plenty. <laughs> I was too bewildered to form coherent thought. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, because we're, I mean, we're almost to the first number because we they do the intro with Anna and John. Anna and John walk into the school, uh, and we get a, a cut to uh, Steph. Yes, I feel like Steph unquestionably North. my favorite character. Yes. And the best singer who does not get a solo. Just throwing it out there. True. She is an amazing singer. Whenever they're hitting a note together and then suddenly her voice just transcends everyone else's voice. Yeah. I do love how everyone in this movie has like Christmas themed names. Like John Pine and Anna Shepard. I am learning this for this at this very moment. (laughs) Nick's last name is Saint. Nick Saint. (laughs) This, <laughs> I, for someone who watches Hallmark Christmas movies, and that's how everyone is named, do you think I would have noticed that? Yeah, it, it's very uh, not subtly Christmassy, but yes, Steph is the best. She is our uh, well, she's she's our angry activist to deal with everything activist. Also, she, uh, she's American, right? Um, we established American that? or Canadian. Know. Because yeah. I definitely, sp- I definitely spent half the movie being like, "Is she British?" Like, and I just haven't noticed. Like, where is she from? Yeah, yeah. I no, mean, because her, she says yeah. something at the beginning about her. Um, her parents are in Mexico, and North they have... American, eh? somewhere but in I, North America. Her parents are in Mexico for vacation, though. Yeah, yeah. The, she says they've come to a different continent and dropped her as quickly as possible and um, gone yeah. somewhere else. So I assume she's frustrated. She is, she's her American. girlfriend isn't coming to visit for Christmas which is very frustrating. But on the other hand, a, a transatlantic flight is very expensive. I, that it, yeah, they are in high school. That's a yeah. big ask. <laughs> yeah. She's... Is your girlfriend rich? <laughs> that is also like, also again, your parents are not there. That is like, that is a big ask for a, hey, high school girlfriend, fucking tell your mom, your parents, you need to fly across the ocean to visit right. you like by herself and she's mad about it she's yeah. like i am alone how dare you and i hope that the other side of that phone call was like and you want me to leave my family alone 
I kind of took that scene as the writer being like, okay, she is canonically queer, but don't worry, there's not going to be another character you have to keep track of. <laughs> yeah, but it's, she's, yeah, she's well, a well, tiny, tiny activist lesbian uh, with, yes. a, an, with a tiny Kate McKinnon haircut. <laughs> and um, a fr- frustrated journalistic instinct. Yes. I'm rocking that Kate McKinnon haircut. She she is amazing. I love her with my she whole is heart. Very, she's very concerned about corruption in the town council and is running a, a gift drive for, I guess, underprivileged children. I don't think they ever say I think it was the home, for. They were for the homeless because it had okay. on the sign uh, that it was like homeless gift drive or something like that. Yeah, so she is, she's trying to do everything for everybody. Uh, meanwhile, we also meet uh, the other maybe, maybe favorite in some ways, uh, main character of the story which is uh the obvious villain headmaster savage or soon to be headmaster savage yes. and his first line is withdraw your tongues <laughs> i have thoughts about uh this character and how he is a video game character and specific and a video game character from a very specific franchise this guy oh. turned, this guy turns into a dead like spoilers for the end this guy straight up turns into a dead rising boss he is i was i knew you were gonna say dead rising as soon as you I said feel that like dead rising right. had a pretty big influence on this whole movie he definitely was a character that was like so we're making funny walking dead is that what it is and people were like no no it's not and he's like i hear you i'm gonna do fun funny walking dead that's what i'm doing oh that guy <laughs> like he, especially once he got his solo number he was like I'm here to like, I'm here to have a beard and chew scenery and I'm all out of beard. And did I love it? Yes. <laughs> oh, that one, that one's, as much as I didn't love the musicals, his villain piece was definitely a highlight. But not the best song. We'll get to not that. Not the best song. We're going to get to that. <laughs> he's, he's got some of the, some very good uh, walk away and disgust lines throughout this movie. Uh, especially especially during the production of the uh, Christmas play, which we'll see oh, later, which yes. might have my favorite song in it just for just how, how ridiculous and over the top it is. Uh, but we'll song? get to that. Oh, high school Chippendales. <laughs> um, so he's telling uh, Steph that she can't publish her, her thing about the town council and corruption and uh, steal, takes her car keys from her because she has parked it on... Um, school property which is going to become important later um where I, i'm confused where do people park cars <laughs> i thought that was normal nobody else in this has a car was, so maybe yeah. they don't i, I may, was, okay where are we yeah. too american for this i was like don't you park your car on school property i definitely had this i'm like is is he stealing her car i mean is they it, live is, in a small scottish village is, is so this like so apparently maybe, they can walk is this maybe you're right theft auto <laughs> Considering the other stuff we find out that he confiscated later. <laughs> uh, well, currently oh it is time for our first musical number. Breakaway. Um, yes, Breakaway, which as, as Ben pointed out, is a very uh, Disney princess I want movie, but for both, both Anna and Steph and John... Um, and is a bop. I'm oh, yeah. sorry. I, I definitely <laughs> had a thought, bop. like, are we about to have an I Want song about Australia? <laughs> and yes. And but we also did. And we about the friend did. zone. <laughs> <I> also, 
<laughs> when he when he straight up says the line, sometimes nice guys don't get the girl. I was on the floor laughing. It was so funny. That I was when it. I that was when I wrote in my notes, UK chip. Yes, but not but but it turns out not. It turns out it turns out not. He is UK chip if UK if, if regular chip had had an iota of self awareness. Yes. Uh, I feel in like his he, Christmas he's sweater, an ideal which version I, of, of Jennifer's body, in which I, the the relationship between the two between the two female leads is the actual uh, canonical romantic relationship, and yes. he is he is in the friend zone. Unfortunately, to, 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 that's to not to the degree that it already isn't. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. His Christmas sweater is a delight. Oh, I love I, that sweater. I know that that kind of a joke is constantly in a movie to say that this character is not cool. And I feel attacked every time I wear my Christmas sweater. That's why I want to see one of the, that's why I want to see one of these characters with the sweater just be the badass one of these times. Ah, I, I mean, like, I feel like, all, where is the Christmas themed Fast and Furious where Vin Diesel is wearing an ugly Christmas sweater but it doesn't have sleeves because of course it doesn't he's Vin Diesel. <laughs> the sleeves cannot be contain his muscles so they popped off. I feel like um, you could talk Vin Diesel into this. Like I, I, I think Vin Diesel has already pitched this. They've said no to him. I'm telling you I don't know it for a fact but I believe it. It's a fucking Vin Diesel has the outrace Santa's sleigh in a drag race. <laughs> He, uh, he absolutely, and they Universal. constantly say that Christmas is about family. Universal, are you listening? We want it. <laughs> we want it. Universal, you would not even have to pay me to do a Fast and Furious comic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I put that there are two reveals in this song. One is that John has a crush on Anna and doesn't want her to leave, and the other one is that Steph has an incredible voice. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> every um, time she sings. Steph it's, is it's like, oh, oh, wow. She's, she's real good. When Steph is, is on good. screen, there's decidedly less auto-tune happening. Yes. And I will say this song is what we were talking earlier about how this movie loves teenagers, like clearly has so much compassion for them. This song yeah. is like the prime example of, of understanding and caring about teenagers, I feel. Yeah, it really does treat their struggles as like things worth caring about and being compassionate for. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like as somebody who uh, writes a lot of teenagers in comics, um, it really does this great work of of sort of clicking in the idea that uh, even though they never say it directly in this film, it's something I've said in a lot of interviews that like in high school, everything is life or death. Like it always feels like things are really important and really happening. And whatever you do is is going to have a huge effect on the rest of your life. And yeah. I think, you know, setting setting a zombie movie in that really makes sense. In, in a lot of good ways for me. Yeah. Yeah. And the point is never that they're wrong. All of these things are important and continue to be important the whole movie, which I think is kind of powerful. Uh, when I was thinking about what I would like, if you like this, what would I recommend? And honestly, where my mind started going to was less uh, similar horror stories and more stories that kind of treat their teenage characters with the same kind of complexity yeah. and compassion. I think so as well. So after this this musical number is when we start. Uh, we get the introductions of the uh, of the second string cast, who are also some of my some some real Amazing. favorites in here. Or are they? <laughs> are yeah. they second string? Hmm. We get uh, Chris, who is our uh, goofy AV club kid, who is uh, having having a difficulty with an assignment. Uh, he is not 
you know, he is presenting uh, something full of explosions that his <laughs> teacher is concerned uh, doesn't actually mean anything to him. But he is, <laughs> he is, he's a bit on the... Uh, uh, he, he is a pure soul, and that is about all he's got going for him brain-wise. He feels a bit like one yep. of the Weasley twins. Um, oh, he's not, you know, he's not even as mischievous as a Weasley twin. He's yeah. way too sweet. He's, he's, it's, it's pure cinnamon roll all the way through yes combine... he looks like a cinnamon roll and is a cinnamon roll yep. yeah if you combine one of the weasley twins and neville longbottom i think this oh, is the kid you'd end up with i think you're right i yeah. was gonna say yep. he's a himbo without muscles <laughs> oh that's a yeah yeah that he's like a nerd himbo yeah he's a, a he's a nerd bow <laughs> now that we have now that we have like seen so many times like the toxic nerd he yeah. really does feel like the wholesome nerd He's very so distinct. He, he is he's a very distinct himbo. kind of nerd too, because he's not smart. No, it's never, it's never a question just, of whether whether or not he is smart in this movie. Chris, Chris he, is not smart, and he is not critical either. So a lot of times the nerd character is like, "No, that one's not you know the good one. The good ones are these ones." He just loves things, and I yeah. enjoyed that. He's just like, "This is great. Is it stupid? I don't know. Let's put more explosions in it." Yeah, Steph's much closer to that character. Steph is much more like yeah. this matters. This is important. Um, you know, she's got her her uh, charity stuff that that matters, and um, that's actually what ends up connecting those two characters here. Shortly yeah. is that um, you know she is trying to make this important thing about you know about the soup kitchen, and you know yeah. brings him along to to record stuff for her. Um, but well, before we get to that. Uh, we also get the introduction of of Lisa, who might be my favorite character. I love uh, Lisa so much. <laughs> she's she's the star of the. I, I think I've said about every character so far that they might yeah. be my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, we're but, not even to the one that I'm shocked by how much I love. <laughs> yeah, there's there's not a whole lot to Lisa, but I like I, I love what's there. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like there's not a lot, but somehow there's a lot unspoken about Lisa, which we get as the movie goes along, that I feel like I could describe her even though she doesn't have a ton of lines. Really, it comes down to any character that pulls off the, the Christmas musical number, like it's school so play, good. that talent show performance that she does is like, Amazing. You're, all, you're all right in my book. Yeah, because uh, I feel like as you're watching the movie, before you get to the production, you, it just feels like Lisa's dumb, and Lisa is kind of dumb. Um, I she's do. on the same level as Chris. They're together, and they're that couple that like is constantly making out. Yes, um, which you oh, know there is an element to Lisa's story when we do get to the Christmas show that I real that I just came up that I just thought of. <laughs> uh, and when they walk in to see the Christmas set, she asked Anna, "How does it look?" And Anna has the line, "It's like Narnia threw up on Oz." <laughs> and Lisa says, "Great." <laughs> That's what she was Lisa, going for. Lisa is a girl that knows exactly what her vibe is. She does, and it's funny because I feel like well, we're we're not at that scene yet. Uh, but you know, when she does her song, it could very easily be like she's sneaking something in. It does not seem like it. It just seems like she wanted to do it, and so she did it. Yeah, she yep. just did. Again, what, given how angry Savage gets, I have to be like, did nobody vet this? Was nobody, was, were there no teachers at rehearsal? I, well, considering that no other teacher seems to be at no, all concerned. No, there are no, just... Concerned, there are no other teachers in this movie. 
The yeah. only faculty faculty member that exists is the headmaster. Is the soon to be headmaster? Is John's yeah, is, mom is not a teacher? What is she, what is her job? She's in the scene like three times, but I don't know what her job is at the school. I'm not sure. Yeah, we get that. Uh, we eventually get that. Uh, I guess Anna's dad is uh, custodian there. Um, yeah. it's a little unclear because so... <laughs> it sounds like Savage is insulting him, and it's not and clear she if says... it's. That's not his job. And I was like, is it? What is his and he's job? Like, it will be soon. And it's like, wait, do you have power over his employment? That really <laughs> wasn't clear. But I think eventually it, uh, it is like, yes, she's, he's the school janitor. But I, they don't yep. know why they didn't make that clear. I don't either. I also really like the old principal that's just walking around with this giant I'm retiring button and not caring about anything. <laughs> like a boss. That like you, a boss. Like, you know, you know that guy survived the whole fucking movie. Yeah, he was out of there immediately. He didn't oh, yeah. stay for the show. He's on an <laughs> island somewhere. He is just like, ain't nothing messing with my retirement. He he survived with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. So uh, once we get the introduction oh, of, of Lisa, we get God. the introduction of our, our final major cast member, uh, which I feel like we've been leading up to the whole time at this point, Nick. Who Nick. Is Anna's ex, who's a bully and a fuck up. And uh, how do we feel about Nick? So the, right away, there's a moment when John's like, I don't understand how people find him irresistible. And I was like, yeah, he seems ridiculous. We'll later hit the point in the movie where I went, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that happened. <laughs> Nick was definitely like the most surprising character in the movie. Like Absolutely. I tell you, the that's like, you know, characters are like with one line changed my whole conception of them. Exactly. And I feel like and I feel like that happened a few times with Nick where it was line. Nick has a full Prince Zuko arc in a single movie and I don't know how <laughs> they did that. Early on there's a few points where I forget about Nick altogether and then there's at least one point where I'm pretty sure Nick is done and he's not. Yes. Um yeah and that I he's an it, he's a fascinating character and we'll get more into like why but there's clearly like in this scene there's some you know previous relationship shit between him and anna and right um he's kind of uh uh it's never clear if he plays a sport but he has a real jack vibe <laughs> that's <laughs> real you're right i have no idea oh, if he man, plays a right. sport or not <laughs> yeah and he does know how to Great wield boy. the baseball bat we're we're sure and of that a, and a uh, cricket bat question mark yep. yeah. question mark was it cricket? Can well, somebody... I didn't quite get that because it's like, oh, my baseball bat's gone. Here's a cricket bat. Was well, that what it was? Okay, good. To, But then it's like, but then the very next scene, it's like, well, time to never use the cricket bat, but good thing I got my ba baseball bat again. They definitely forgot which prop he had. They definitely did. <laughs> and I, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, the baseball bat works great, but no, like, that was like, I talked about characters like and what their roles in the movie surprising me more like yeah i found myself so surprised by just how important nick ended up being and how yeah complex he ended up being and how important he ended up being to me like i i've seen that character or that that arc done before and it's hard to win me back over when they've been that awful to begin with he won me over i think like you said in a line there was a line and i was like uh, you win <laughs> I'm on your side. Yeah, it's definitely like I I think Nick, I don't know, Nick this, yeah, comes this movie, back like, around. I really do feel like act 1, especially if the fucking Disney Channel musical number that fucking threw me for a loop. 
<laughs> I, I feel like all of act one did give me the sense of like, oh, cool. I don't, aside from like Anna and Steph, I kind of don't like any of you and I'm ready to see all of you die in like yeah, fun yeah. ways. And then the movie then spent kind of the rest of the movie making me like actually like care about these characters. Which is brilliant. Yeah, there's definitely a version of this movie where Anna and John end up together and, you know, Nick is, is like a demi bad guy. He's a level boss or something. Right. Yes. But that's uh, which, where I thought it was going. Yeah. Which like, definitely feels like where it's going early like, on. There's definitely a version of um, Chris and Julia's art, like arc that's much more cynical and mean-spirited than what we ultimately got. This whole movie is way less cynical than you would think it would be for a zombie movie, to be honest. It's it a, really is. It's a hopeful zombie movie, which I feel like I, I can't pinpoint another one. There's also a version of this movie where Nick and John end up together. And, and I'm a little sad that one didn't and happen. And Steph and Anna end up together. What happens to characters and when it happens in the movie was such a surprise. Like, especially what happens yeah. with John was definitely the, like, my like, whoa, didn't think, didn't, I mean, I knew this was coming, but didn't think it was coming now. No. And I definitely like, paused the movie and was like, whoa, we have a, a lot left. And, they, and this character's already like gone. Like, damn. Yeah. He's not messing around. Yeah, and this, yep. this cafeteria scene is is doing a bit of work here. They set up the thing with Nick and Anna. They set up, you know, this is where you learn that uh, Lisa and Chris, who we both met separately, are together and they make out aggressively over the table. Which I, John looks longingly at Anna while they're making out beside them. I appreciate. I do, like, I do like that they do not stop making out for the duration of this full on musical. <laughs> What what feels very accurate high school wise to me is that uh, Chris walks in, and Lisa just yells "boyfriend" and grabs him by the shirt, and then starts <laughs> making out with him aggressively. Like that, that feels was good. Feels accurate. Also, just the fact that it's like, hey, here's like the popular, cheery, chipper, preppy girl, and like the AV dork, and they're together and super into each other and super sweet. Yes, like I that. Loved those it. are two characters that aren't supposed to start a movie already being together according to usual movie math yeah yeah this is also where it's revealed i i think the first time it's explicitly revealed that uh anna and uh nick slept together um and we don't know much more about that other than it didn't end well um and this is also where steph approaches chris about going to the soup kitchen to record stuff um, you know, I did not like. The, I did not like the scene with the reveal, if only because I went my notes like, "Ah, uh, Anna plus Steph not, is not happening." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All all the sad endings that, to this movie. That there's yeah. no such thing in this movie as a Hollywood ending. Ben, didn't you know? There's no such thing yeah. as a Hollywood ending. That's, that's where song, we are now. That song is, has been stuck in my head for two days. Yeah, it's the song Better. that is designed it's, to bore itself into your brain and stay and, there. It oh, worked. Yeah. This is also where I mentioned the choreography where everyone flips their hair in unison and I That's laughed. That's pretty great. Oh, it was so good. It was like it was like they were doing, you said a, it was like a Disney Channel movie and it was, it was specifically like high school musical in the scene. Oh no, this is full on Scottish high school musical remake. But I think it knows that. That was the thing because a lot of the choreography in the scene is used humorously. So I think there's a level of like, we know you've seen High School Musical, get it? 
Yeah, also, yeah. I, mean, I, I yeah. haven't seen High School Musical, and I think that's maybe a function of age for me. But, uh, like... There's time. There's... It is... Being a Disney Channel movie of a certain time, I feel like... I feel fairly confident in saying they don't mention having had sex in High School Musical. Yeah. Um, yes. This is definitely a I mean, much more from, adult... It definitely comes from an era in time when Zac Efron could get through a whole film with a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> We are still living in the post post era of that time. Yeah, you just don't see that. Like, you just don't see find that me a movie where Zac Efron manages to keep a shirt on the whole film, where he's not just Zac Efron can't life. make it through a commercial with his shirt on. Though. Shockingly, Zac Efron is not one of the many American actors they mentioned in this movie. <laughs> yeah, true. I did. There is a line, and I did have to remember. There's a line. In this movie where they're talking about which celebrities they think of yes. zombies. I have a ton and, of thoughts on this scene when we get to it. Well, I, There's a bunch. And I did have to look this up and remember that there, that this movie takes place in 2017 when a character says, Iron Man lives. Oh, <laughs> oh, like, oh buddy. The pain. But, oh, if this movie doesn't kill you, then oh, <laughs> <laughs> Avengers Endgame will. Yeah, so that's that's the end of the school day. I guess they have lunch and then everybody leaves. Uh, and I'm <laughs> Which not is sure. actually a fairly common high school movie is thing. <laughs> oh, okay. I it's don't a high know why, but uh, yeah, that happens a lot where you'll be like, were we not just at lunch? Why is this, why is this day over? Yeah, because you know, immediately after this, the next scene is, is Anna is walking out and uh, bumps into Steph on the way out who is trying to jimmy the door to her car open so that she can get to all the stuff that's in there since the headmaster still has her keys. They have a you know, quick interaction where we, we retouch on the fact that uh, Steph's parents suck her and are in Mexico without her on vacation. And, and is, is, Anna's, uh, mom is Anna's, is Anna's dead. mom dead? Is she dead? <laughs> I can't remember. Is she dead? She has not yet risen from the dead to the best <laughs> of our knowledge. Um, and this you know, ends with the, the two of them, uh, with Anna getting mad at Steph, walking off, bumping into a man stumbling and looking rather zombie-like on the way out, which is our, our first real, you know, our, our first unnoticed zombie in the movie. I did have to pause the movie because I wanted to be like, okay, this is first zombie, end of act one. Where are we? Exact, we get the first zombie exactly 17 minutes and 45 seconds into the film. We did have one zombie fake out earlier than this, which was when the girl with the inhaler makes yeah. a moaning <laughs> Oh. I just love that is like screenwriting 101 and your end act one 17 minutes into the film. <laughs> but don't yeah. worry, we've got a Christmas show to get to. And what a show. I love how the penguin rap is functionally the same as the math nerd rap from Mean Girls. Listen, this whole talent show scene is pretty mean girls inspired it is i am shocked by how frequently on this horror podcast i've already brought up mean girls <laughs> i think it might be a function of the show of the movies we've chosen to review so far i think I it means think. we just have to review mean girls through a horror lens <laughs> mean girls is a horror movie if you think about it <laughs> uh, if you're if you're is... going from gretchen's point of view it's definitely a horror movie <laughs> her slow slide into madness <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're getting two scenes right here at the same time. Following up on that, we have uh, Anna and John at their dead end job at the bowling alley, um, yes. which uh, has has a nice series of, of uh, lines between the two of them, um, where Anna is getting annoyed by the 
Christmas hijinks going on in the bowling alley, and she says Christmas is fast becoming her uh, her least favorite C word. And uh, <laughs> and John says you wouldn't feel like that if you were dressed like a holiday legend like me, and turns on the uh, the lights on his sweater. And mood. You I will get I will give that for John. You own that sweater. He did, and she calls him her least favorite C word, which yeah. was Yeah, and, and it says he's dressed very much like a C word. Uh, <laughs> was so good. It's a nice nice back and forth there. It's a good zinger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. Meanwhile, uh back at the school, we have we have the penguin rap and dance number, which is uh not not good. Uh they're they're very bad at the dance. Which is when they have the first of many interactions between Anna's dad and the principal, in which Anna's dad goes, at least they're trying, and the principal goes, very. <laughs> which is my favorite line of this. <laughs> yeah, this, this series of interactions between the two of them is, is pretty funny. Um, and leads up to uh, Lisa's very sexy Christmas song, which is pretty, it's basically somebody or somebody listened to uh, Santa Baby and was like, that's great, but what if we amped it up a little bit? What and if what every we, line is innuendo? <laughs> what if we couldn't get the license to Santa Baby? But also we wrote something better because I will be listening to that this Christmas. <laughs> well, the thought I just had was like her, can I forget, her, is her name Lisa or Julia? Lisa. 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 Um, I think I called her Julia earlier by mistake. Uh, Lisa's emotional plot line in this scene is she really wants Chris to be there and he's not because he's busy with staff filming the homeless shelter corruption out from the perspective is she really wants her boyfriend in the audience to watch six dudes in way better shape than her boyfriend just dance all up on her and Chris would have supported it and that's why we love him he would have yeah, she is definitely looking out into the audience as if she were singing, I don't know, 525,600 minutes and like really wants Chris <laughs> to be there to sing it or to see it, you know, for her. But she is definitely singing a a more ridiculous version of Santa Baby. Um, and it's glorious. Which she's excited about Santa. Uh, underage Chippendales line with her. Yes. And this, and this is where Principal Savage goes, filthiness in the same tone of voice as a villain on criminal minds would yes he's quickly becoming a, a psychopathic serial killer thanks to this this scene alone you yeah. get the feeling zombie apocalypse or no zombie apocalypse he would have tried killing his students at some point or another <laughs> it was on the way <laughs> this was, all this did was hasten the inevitable <laughs> it was his moment to shine he'd been waiting he starts to walk out of the uh, school after being pissed off about this and sees something which, you know, we, we know is the zombie apocalypse going on outside, but they don't show. That was a very effective spooky scene. That yeah. was good spookiness. Yeah. So this, you know, it, it kind of sets up all of these characters that are at the talent show being stuck at the school, which is going to be, you know, an important part of the plot going forward. Yeah. Meanwhile, Anna and John are closing down the bowling alley and they go home. Uh, well, they have their... Uh, of laying on the ground making uh, snow angels not knowing that the apocalypse is going on nearby having a having an emotional beat and uh, both heading home before what's probably the best scene in the movie which is so Anna good. waking up and having a full-on I don't know if I would call it a, a singing in the rain style 
musical number as the zombie apocalypse goes on around her unnoticed. <laughs> and all of her lyrics relate in some way to what the zombies are doing behind her. She talks about turning her life around and you see someone get smacked so hard they spin in a circle. Amazing. Every single line relates to something horrifying behind her. So this wasn't my favorite song in the movie? Like, no, that's no, that's coming. coming. But this was definitely my favorite, like, the song working with the movie. Absolutely. Well, yeah, this was the, the song is all like, thing. this is going to be a great day, which is such a funny message <laughs> like, for a song at this moment in the movie. For sure it is. From, from John's perspective, when he's singing, I have called this song, She's Just Not That Into You, the musical. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> like too many of the songs were the kind of thing where I'm like, oh, the singing is started. My brain's just going to check out for the next three minutes. This was one where I'm like, a lot of storytelling is happening in yeah. this song. I also, yeah. as much as I enjoyed the choreography of the first one, which I maintain is just a send up to High School Musical, th in For this sure. scene, they are dancing like teenagers dance. Like they're air guitaring and like shaking their arms in the air. It's really cute. Well, it's, a like, really, it's a really fun sequence. It's, it's a whole different kind of choreography too. Cause you think about like that first scene, it's, it's sort of standard musical number choreography. And this right. is like, her and then John later in the number singing and dancing and walking down the street while just this huge scene of apocalypse is unfolding behind, uh, specifically behind Anna in that neighborhood. All of this, this huge amount of stuff is going on behind her that's all sort of choreographed to the song. And like when you think about the size of size and scope of that scene, like that must be, this scene must have cost a ton of money and they must have had to shoot it yeah. several times. It's so smart. Out. Well, no, just like, and not just like the singing that uh, Anna and John are doing, but just how much physical comedy is, and work yeah. is being done by all of these people in the background, like, you know, being chased by zombies, zombies being attacked, like all this violence yeah. and chaos. So it's like, you not only have like their dancing, but so much is, so much storytelling is just happening like on the screen and, yeah. so, and like, the work it must have taken to choreograph all of that background stuff. In and there's a, there's a great moment when one of the survivors turns to Anna and like screams to her for help and she can't hear her because she's rocking out to the music. It's an incredible scene. And this again is very early Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> like, it is. It, it's very much part of that argument of like, oh yeah, if a, if a zombie apocalypse was happening, you probably wouldn't notice for a little while. <laughs> um, and the way that that is turned out to be true. Thank you, 2020. This fucking year. <laughs> so, <laughs> moving right on past that, uh, they meet up in the cemetery, which is also just so perfect. They, they meet up in the cemetery, neither of them having uh, realized that the apocalypse is going on, where they are attacked by a uh, zombie in a large snowman costume. <laughs> he, he just keeps saying, hey, mate, to him, until she's like, say it one more time, it might work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, this this scene is fun. It's got that sort of... Uh, you know, zomb zombie movie humor where eventually they, they hit him with the business end of a seesaw and uh, <laughs> take his head clean off. And then the head continues to gnash its teeth and roll around on the yeah. ground for a while. It was a very satisfying amount of blood. I wasn't yes. sure how this movie was going to handle gore, but after that I was like, ah, oh, yeah, we get some good blood. <laughs> and I do love when she's talking about how there are no zombies and he's like, so that's normal? And it just pans to the head going, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> this, this goes back to my original theory of Anna as an anti-masker. 
she's an anti-zedder. Yeah. Anti, oh, anti it hurts that you're kind of right, though. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of Anna going. Oh, that's not. That's definitely not a zombie. And I feel like that's a thing that they've played. I almost certainly do it in Shaun of the Dead. Of like, sure. uh, do we do we call them that? Like, do we just call them zombies? That's the thing that's in a movie. Like, yeah. You know. John and Chris are just so on board. This is zombie apocalypse so quickly. But also, I get it. That would be my first assumption, too. Even if there was a more logical one, I'd be like, zombies. We'll we'll get to John and Chris meeting up again here in a minute. And we'll uh, get... And we'll get to characters adapting pretty dang quickly to zombie apocalypses. <laughs> On the other end, we also have uh, Lisa and Chris's nan and the parents all stuck with Savage at the school. You know, they're all locked inside, uh, surviving, waiting right. to be rescued by the military, which is, I guess, nearby. Uh, right beside there, apparently, they said, uh, because that's where Nick's dad is, we find out later this raises the important question I have of this movie is, is that blonde lady supposed to be John's mom? I have no <laughs> I idea. Was, I, think, I think so. And who, what does she do? <laughs> I don't know. Cause it's not like John was in the, did she just go to see a school Christmas show that her son isn't in? <laughs> that nobody connected to her son really is in? I don't know. Is, Maybe she is was this Is this Scottish suburb just have that, nothing else going on? Get Netflix. I assume she was a a teacher, but again, we never see any teachers, so maybe not. I don't know what she is. I only figured out she... We only have soon-to-be Headmaster Savage and Headmaster out of here. Yes. (laughs) And the janitor that does all of the work. True to life. So everybody's stuck there. Savage is already getting a little... uh, There's definitely... There's definitely... I feel like there's definitely class-based stuff in this movie, but it seems like it's all centered around, like, the dad, and it doesn't, and, like, and he's low-class, but it doesn't seem like any of that then translates to Anne, to how people treat Anna. So it seems like it's almost like a selective classism or class-based thing going on. Nobody seems, I mean, other than, you know, Savage being an asshole to him, nobody else seems particularly higher class they all seem like they're relatively you know the same amount of wealth vaguely it doesn't seem like there's much difference between the, at least the teenagers yeah i guess it's just savage is an asshole is all it's it just is. savage is an asshole yeah that's, that's really all it deal. is is savage is an asshole <laughs> he he wants to make fun of the help not realizing that he is a principal of a nowhere school he is scottish principal skinner if if Skinner and Groundskeeper Willie were the same person, he'd be you, Headmaster Savage. <laughs> uh, yeah, we also get, you know, Chris's nan is having heart problems. Character we all care very deeply about because she is a sweet old lady. She is. And I, I feel like, yeah, she, she doesn't is. really have much going on, to yeah. be fair. But the fact that she comes to see Chris's, uh, yeah, Chris's girlfriend do this number, and she is so supportive. She's in the audience clapping during that whole number. You know, she won me over immediately. This grandma is down with it. Grandma is definitely good, because of the main teenagers, Lisa definitely does the least, but at least, like, taking care of the grandmother during all this still gives Lisa, like, something to do plot-wise. She Yes, and I feel like that gives us a lot of who Lisa is. I think it was really important that it's not her grandmother. You know, this is yeah. her boyfriend's grandmother, and she cares for her so genuinely, and it leads to some of the best lines later of, 
of what the what this movie is saying about the human condition i feel like yeah yeah absolutely um meanwhile we we do find out where uh chris is actually at john and anna decide to go to the bowling alley to access the internet so they can find out what's going on because uh, they both realize they haven't actually seen their parents at any point since you know the previous night and they find uh you know steph and chris holed up here it sounds like they were at the soup kitchen and stuff started going bad and they took off and wound up uh coming in through the unlocked back door that the cleaner was supposed to lock when she left but she was unconscious because john hit her with a shoe well we will find out very shortly uh that unconscious is not all she is because she is she's undead in the bathroom so the way this that plays out in the movie is john throws a shoe it hits an old lady in the head she collapses cut to them outside like in the snow and we never find out what happens but later she's a zombie so i assume he killed her that's the only okay. There's no reason for, like, they are very nonchalant. Like, I'm like, oh, did John just murder a woman? <laughs> Can we go back? That's hard to tell because we do discover later that those other, I guess the other guys that were there at the bowling alley previously, the guys dressed I, as reindeer the, are the reindeer. still around somewhere. I, yeah, I don't think it works walking dead rules where you become a zombie no matter how you die yeah i couldn't i couldn't that, tell you what the rules are for these zombies except for the fight i thing. mean i'm just basing that off of uh some lines chris has near the end of the movie that's fair this this is where we get the evac selfies and the uh, eventual discussion of celebrities and uh which celebrities are zombies this conversation is a delight so we have robert johnny jr is he or is he not a zombie what do you think? Is he? Would he be a zombie? I mean, I, I think Robert Downey Jr. is uh, rich enough and enough of a situation where he could just get himself out of there if he wanted to. So, which I believe was John's whole point that he's somewhere in a hot tub. Tom Holland. Tom Holland definitely got himself a zombie. Oh, no, you're right. Of course. We love you, Tom Holland, but there's no way you wouldn't be. Oh yeah. My other favorite line in this bit is, uh, "What about Taylor Swift? Don't even bring that up. Tay Tay <laughs> is fine." that's that's a good bet like that in the evac selfie like it was just so it was so darkly hilarious but it was just so real in the sense of like this is what people would be talking about this is what people would be posting yeah do explain the evac selfie a little bit it's basically everybody is taking pictures of themselves being evac'd you know on the other side of of cages or fences where there are zombies trying to get to them uh you know they're taking selfies of of themselves successfully surviving the apocalypse. Um, Getting evacuated out, I guess. But like the zombies are just on the other side of the fence in all of the pictures. I love it. The line about Robert Downey Jr. that I don't want us to miss is all it takes is one personal trainer with a bite. I feel like 2020, we're definitely seeing that the trope of person gets bitten by a zombie and hides it from the group is very real. It's it's true. This whole movie felt extremely realistic. It all hits differently in 2020. It all hits differently. And then we get probably the thousandth scene in a bowling alley, which is a fight scene that I have seen in my life. The double bowling ball head crack open scene was some pretty great, like, A-plus zombie killing method. Honestly, there's nothing wrong with this scene. It's just I had a moment of, like, bowling alleys are not safe. This is what fiction has taught me. I did love the idea of like, oh, I'm going to go in the slippery lanes and the zombies will slip on me. That was so funny. Poor Chris trying to run and sliding. Oh my goodness. 
I, I think my favorite bit of this was the zombie head and the ball return. Uh, when this feels, <laughs> feels so that obvious in, in retrospect, but as we were watching it, I was delighted by it. Um, my favorite bit in this fun. is when you see how incompatible Anna and John are because they can't throw a table at the same time. And she ha- he's like, I said on three. She's- and she's like, no, you said at three. Use your words. Your words matter. Yeah, and fucking John getting very like, all right, we throw it on three. And then he starts it through. And then like three, two, one. Like, <laughs> fucking really? This is all on you, John. Yeah, John. Yeah, that, I think that was the point in the movie where I was like, all right, John's lost me. Yeah. <laughs> on three, when and he, he starts at three. Fuck you, John. John, you better make that fucking sweater light up again, buddy. <laughs> yeah, the, the bowling alley zombie fight is fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't say much for the safety it's, of, of bowling alleys. It's definitely a good way to do for some character to show character through action. Like, again, like Chris is like running away and making them <laughs> slip and slide like very instantly and silly. Joan and Anna are communicating badly. Uh, Steph is just being an unkillable badass. She's so amazing in this. I love her so much. What does she stab him through the mouth with? What is that? A spatula. That's right. It's so good. Ineffective, it turns out, but... But awesome. (laughs) At the end of this, they uh, decide they have to find a way to to get to the school. Uh, We also see over in the school the uh, lights going out and Savage becoming increasingly creepy. And Nan gradually doing worse because that is her function in this movie is to gradually do worse this is the scene where i think we get the like first hint of what this movie has to say about humanity because uh lisa goes up to savage to ask for something for the grandmother's heart and savage uh says to her what does civilization do when we find ourselves on the edge and she goes we help each other and he responds we prioritize chilling that was so chilling that was a very chilling line but also like very i don't know because it points to the fact that this movie does have something hopeful to say through lisa's perspective and then later in other ways but then i also the thought of like wait we need to make hard choices and ration our heart medication how many (laughs) how many people in this school need heart medication right now do do schools have heart medication yeah it's like it's it's a high school I feel like this is going to be a pretty tough get regardless. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I the nuance of like, this scene is, is scrapped just to, to get the good line, which I can understand. But it was it such is, a good line. It is, but I also would have liked to have been like, fucking, if you got any heart medication, feel free to give it to her. I don't got any. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like Savage, Savage should be saying, well, we're not going to send people out hunting for heart medication right now. It's a fucking or, apocalypse. Zone. Or he should be like, this is a high school. I have Tylenol. Like, <laughs> Yeah, or if, like, or if it was, oh, she got like a non-zombie cut and we need like antibiotics. We need to use some of like the nurse's antibiotics. Yes. He's like, no, we, we need the, the antibiotics are for the young and the healthy. <laughs> that would have made more sense. Still loved Again, it though. Great, it's, a great, it's a great line. It's a great line. I don't want to take away from that. And look, <laughs> Lord knows I will be like, I am more than guilty of being like, I know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's a cool thing. So it stays in the script. Yep. It's true. And also Savage, just as a person, you know, if he was a real human being, he would say lines like that all the time. And you'd be like, wait, that doesn't even, it doesn't make sense. Why? Okay. I guess he's walking away. 
Savage's <laughs> awful person dialogue was on point was. every time. I'm what? willing to let the old lady die, but we don't need to let the old lady die. It's okay. I'm willing to let it happen. <laughs> There's not a single line Savage has, which doesn't just confirm that he's the worst, but this so interesting, like, British, like, mad scientist, like, the yes. worst. Yes. Oh, such a delight. Yeah. He's, he's so middle management evil. Um, who's the actor? Like, I feel like if this had been an American movie, like, John Glover would have like had that role. Now I'm just having to think about that for a minute. Yeah, would, would, would have been, would have been a good role. Would have been a good role for the glove. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like he has very heavy Kelsey Grammer vibes, but maybe just straight up Frasier vibes. Actually, <laughs> um, he is. This is what Frasier would do in the apocalypse. <laughs> oh my god! Can we just make that movie? <laughs> Frasier colon apocalypse. Hey, we're bringing Frasier. Hey, guess what? We're NBC. We're bringing Frasier back. It's the zombie apocalypse, and he it's, has to still give his radio show from like a fallout bunker. It's the reboot that only Kelsey Grammer keeps saying is ever going to happen, but it's all zombie. Well, that's why this is the perfect way to do it because all it would need to be is Kelsey Grammer alone in his base. <laughs> Everyone else is already dead. Yeah. This is Frasier Crane, and I'm surviving. And it's just I am legend. He's literally I, like the only person left alive, but he's still like transmitting just in case. Oh, he has a dog named that he's named Niles. <laughs> yeah, but you think he's talking to Niles for like a good chunk of time and then oh, finally yeah. realize it's just a dog. <laughs> Why is this amazing? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a call on mine button here. Uh, Guys, we're just fucking ten Cloverfield <laughs> lanes, like <laughs> Frazier. <laughs> it's just answering calls from zombies. Uh, but okay, so the next scene is maybe maybe the best, which is they're escaping under the inflatable, <clears throat> which is Chris's plan. It's a bad plan. Everybody has realized. Well, before already. that, I did have in my notes. Did they all sleep together in a giant ball pit yeah, under the balls? I guess it's camouflage. I guess. I mean, I guess <laughs> because yes, yes, I'm they like, did. We skipped over the song uh, "Human Voice," which is when I wrote down. Does this movie hate technology? And I don't know the answer. I watched the whole movie and I still don't know the answer. It's a fair question. Yeah, it's a sort of a, an anti-texting song. There is that whole like... moment with uh, Steph where she's like berating Chris for like going back for his phone. Yeah, but see that one, then he explains it and it actually it's, makes sense. It's so very I very sweet, yeah. I don't know what this movie was. I don't know what this song was. It didn't seem to have a function other than to be like, you know, these kids were zombies because of cell phones this was some this was some peak up singing started my brain's checking out like it's fair because nothing happens in this song yeah it's the worst song in the movie and it's it's sandwiched between the two best songs in the movie it is and it's it really is when the movie just like because no plot or character is happening or being revealed it's just the movie just kind of stops for three minutes except that occasionally steph sings and it's just transcendent i mean any how did steph not have her own song that's how crazy, did she right? not have her own song yeah. it's baffling like the fact that we did not get steph doing a full-on gay power ballad <gasps> all right and the apocalypse two you gotta happen now right i i i'm on team uh anna and steph here just they have a bit of a dynamic in the few cases that they they do talk i was definitely They're the two confident people in the movie <laughs> Like until, if that until later, happen, we get one more competent person later. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're like you put them all together. You got yourself a good old fashioned battle thruple. 
Exactly. I'm very on board with this battle thruple. It's some big, uh, you know, like that Parks and Rec scene. Like, you got Steph going, like, this is my girl, like, this is my girlfriend, Anna, and her boyfriend person. We, uh, person. Yeah. We're, are we still trying not to spoil this? <laughs> I feel like at least until we get to that part of the summary. We are so close. So yeah, yeah, we're almost there because we, under the, as they try to escape under the inflatable thing, they have a conversation about Mary Shag Kill. Hilarious. Uh, which, which Zom- it was zombie Rihanna. What was it? Oh, shoot, zombie Beyonce, it zombie Rihanna, zombie Miley. And of course, Steph makes uh, the only correct choice, which is marry Beyonce. Of course. Um, yeah. And then he goes, why would you kill Rihanna? And she's like, I haven't said that yet. And he's like, we know. Yeah. I, I feel like, I don't know if, <laughs> if he had survived long enough. I feel like there's a real uh, John coming out vibe in here somewhere <laughs> where John is very into Miley and Taylor Swift. Yeah, I know. Um, John, John. Like you said, do you, do you love a, Anna? Do you? <laughs> like you said, there's definitely a uh, version of this where Nick it with uh, Nick and John. No one is more obsessed with Nick than John is. Let's just get that right out there. Like yeah. He thinks about him and talks about him more than anyone in the movie. I mean, and, and just like do you really in real life. It, like do you the, really love Anna or are you just jealous that she got to be with Nick? <laughs> Yeah, real life. The the one the one friend of mine who constantly you know had this this thing for a friend of ours for years, and it clearly wasn't going to work out. You know, did actually come out a few years later, and I was like, this mm. feels very familiar somehow, because <laughs> um, it's it's that clearly like friends that's never going to be anything else. I'm convinced. I have convinced myself that I am in love with this girl situation. You know what? I'd rather that explanation than another, like, I put in enough good boy points. Where's my sex reward? At least until <laughs> there's a scene where she shuts him down and he's like, I respect that. Yes. Yes. Because he really, he doesn't do that. And we, we, we're here for it. He's not yes. Chip. He's not. <laughs> On a scale of Chip, he is not. Was it too big? Fuck you, Chip. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Chip. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be the slogan of this show. This fuck. is like our, this is our like, and, dist- and like, and Carthage must be destroyed. And fuck <laughs> you, Chip. I, I am measuring all horror movie boyfriends against Chip from here on out. And they're, really, all, they're all looking better is what I'm really, saying. Oh my God. Chris is so much better a horror boyfriend. Yes. Than, and so is like, John. Both horror bo- boyfriends yeah. in this movie are way better than Chip. Real horror boyfriend is coming because oh. uh, the they are attacked by a group of old people uh, zombies who uh, have them cornered under the mat. And, and there's uh, a great line right here where they ask Chris if, if there was a horde out there, and he's like, "How many is a horde?" And it's this moment is also a sequel to something we skipped earlier, which is when they're in the bowling alley and Chris looks out the window and goes, "Oh!" and they go and says, "What?" and he says, "It's snowing." <laughs> He is so dumb, but in the most delightful it's way. It's so pure. So it pure. Is. Like, we love you, Chris. They're all waiting for the evacuation and for the army to show up. But Chris is very excited that it is snowing outside. They are, uh, yes. they are then rescued from the dead old people by a musical number spotlighting Nick and his crew of friends. I feel like nobody is surprised at this point that this is the number that I listened to approximately 50 times yep. since this yesterday. Is- this is the one where I wrote, how did the asshole guy get the best song? I know. I, you know, he first comes in and I was like, uh, you know, vil- this is going to be a villain scene, whatever. They're literally looting. 
they're excited about the zombie apocalypse. It's very much like, okay, I see where this is going. And the song starts, and it was like, I think his name is Ben Wiggins that plays yes. uh, Nick. He just starts with a high note that is so good, and I immediately shut my mouth and just was like, what is this? This is like, there's so much character revealed so about Nick in this song. Much. Like, how he sees himself, like, as, like, how much he wants to be a hero. Yes. He's still very much, like, a bad guy in this. He's still very, like it's like he's the bad guys from 28 days later right like he's the it is but the cracks are showing it's one of those where this is where it's like i'm a bad guy but i'm your bad guy yes but it already like if you i feel like as again as now i will call myself an expert on this scene and this scene alone if you go back and watch it after already knowing how this movie ends there are there's hints at what's happening with his character in the song it's there but you don't see it when you're watching it. Oh yeah, when you know like how much the character is burying at this moment. Yes. But I also- is the best choreography in the whole movie. I also really want to at least just mention what the weapons that like his friends have, because they're all amazing. Yes, (laughs) the watermelons. Oh, okay. One guy had, yeah. You've got one guy who's got like- Two watermelons. In a chain link fence to make like Wolverine claws. The Wolverine claws are so good. <laughs> One guy is like fucking video game controllers is like throw the thing and you like as like bolos. <laughs> and don't forget the one that has a fishing line that he reels a zombie in with. And then, like you said, the one guy who's just has two watermelons. He's just two watermelons. This smashes zombies with watermelons. The scene where he smashes the zombie's head in and it's not blood but watermelon that hits him in the face was so funny. Yeah, it's, and, it says a lot about this movie. I think that this should be my least favorite scene of the movie from just yes. like a where I generally come down on these kinds of characters. They really pull it off. It's a full-on like Gaston musical number. It's so smart and so funny. And Ben Wiggins' charisma is off the chart. Like Ben Wiggins is so charming. He is so the swagger he starts the song with where he's leading the other guys and he just like has this shoulder swagger that he does. I was like, I get it. I get it, Anna. I get it. Like we get why you're hung up on him. I just want to mention that like Ben and I were trying to figure out more about Ben Wiggins, and Ben Wiggins (laughs) is like a bio black hole like no one has ever been sadder about ben wiggins on the internet it's i was looking at various actors it's something it's something very weird to look at most of the actors in this cast and realize that the three of us have larger social media followings (laughs) i i no one has been sadder in this world than when i clicked on his name on spotify and it was just this song i was i was so convinced i was gonna unleash a whole list of albums yeah, because I had to figure, like, for a movie like this, like, they have to go for, like, people that are, like, have, like, kind of their own little singing careers. Like, you'd want, like, yeah. kind of those young singer-actor types. I, I was waiting for that moment. Uh, Jeremy, I think you said you've been watching Shit's Creek, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there was the moment, you know, when Patrick sings the first time, I went on Spotify and clicked the actor's name and I found out he has an album and I was like, yes. And I was waiting for that moment with Ben Wiggins and it's just Anna and the Apocalypse. And that's this one song that I was very sad. Yeah, all this stuff I found about Ben Wiggins is all of him being in like Shakespeare productions and being oh. like a, 
He would be so good. Yeah, genuine, like, exciting uh, stage actor, it sounds like. Um, Okay, well, I I can't begrudge him that. I'm just sad we don't get it. (laughs) But um, the best bit, so all the choreography in the song is brilliant. Him dancing on the car, him, uh, you know, swinging the bat exactly in rhythm with his singing. So brilliant, so funny. The lines of the song are hilarious. I am a big fan of the whole, when it comes to killing zombies, I'm top of the class. Oh, that's great. So amazing. He then reprises later on, sadly. Yes. It's perfect. It's so good. But the very best of all the choreography where I completely lost it is when his bros are pushing him in the shopping cart like he's Napoleon. Yes. (laughs) Very good. He's he's doing the full-on Washington crossing the Delaware. Yes. And then no one is impressed. (laughs) It's so funny. Immediately everyone just walks away and he's so downtrodden by it. The amount that like everybody in the cast just sort of shakes this off is is pretty phenomenal. And uh, I I think we also get the the first allusion to the the bit which you know you were talking about turns you around later on him which is uh, Stephanie's like I was like, why didn't you, your big army dad just get you out of here? Yeah, yeah and he and says and he's at the base. Yeah, and there's clearly a lot going on. And, you know, you're in a zombie movie. Yeah, it's like that was when, like, I really knew, like, oh, there's a lot more to this character. Yeah, he going snaps on and does a whole, head. like, fucking, don't you disrespect him kind of thing. Yeah, which looking back makes a lot more sense. <laughs> uh, do we want to talk any more about the soldier at war before we uh, get back to the the school briefly here? Just that it's awesome, but <laughs> I'm ready to go, best. yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I, I will talk about it for the rest of my life, but as far as this recording, we could probably now move on, on Spotify. Go, go <laughs> now on War. Chris's Spotify, just with the repeat one button. <laughs> um, okay, so we we get uh, a quick look back at the school. The parents are getting ready to leave. Uh, uh, we get a pan past the penguins. The wrapping penguins are now zombies. <laughs> yes, the wrapping penguins are, are zombies um, outside the school. Uh, the Anna's dad is getting ready to to try and lead everybody else out of here, um, so that they can go. They they have now realized that no rescue is coming for them, um, and <laughs> uh, Headmaster Savage is swinging around a uh, clipboard, uh, ordering them to follow the the uh, procedures that they have already in place. Um, they can't leave. He's the headmaster. He keeps repeating, I'm headmaster, over and over and over again. And that he, they have a 12-step stu- plan they need to follow. As somebody who works in academia, it's so unrealistic that any kind of a school would rely on a plan that isn't working during a crisis. <laughs> what? I love my job. What? <laughs> this, is, this is when he, he goes from being uh, Principal Skinner to uh, Frond from... Uh, <laughs> From Bob's Burgers. Principal Armand Tanzarian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it leaves on a very sinister, uh, you know, he's he's headmaster note. He's going to do something about this. Um, yeah. You know, before we, uh, we get back to. And that was, um, again, another like, oh, no. Like, I felt like kind of with Nick, I'm like, oh, there's suddenly a lot more of this character than I realized. But in a much more, but in a much like scarier way versus Nick where it's like oh you might not be a terrible person and uh so now we're we're at the abandoned uh outdoor shopping mall where uh 
team is pushing each other around in uh, shopping baskets and we get uh, the real awkward conversation that Anna finally has to have with John about how this this shit is not going to happen. She is not interested. This is a very relatable scene as someone who's ever had to say, we're friends, friends, friends. This was, yeah. It was a very real scene. It was I'm, real. I'm really glad it was in this movie. I am too. And this is the moment when John shows that he is not a chip because he gets it and then lets it go. And he's sad. He makes her push him in a cart for a little while. But he doesn't push the issue. He He's really respectful of her once he gets it. Yeah, there's definitely a moment of like, damn. And, and part of it is still like, he obviously hates Nick, who he views as the, you know, romantic rival here. Does he hate Nick again? Hmm. <laughs> he is uh, he is obsessed with Nick. He uh, sure is. And they, they finally make it to uh, a point where they are at the edge of an abandoned Christmas tree tent farm thing. And the options are to go around and spend all day walking through, you know, small zombie crowds or to go through the scary, poorly lit uh, Christmas tree farm. And of course, such it is questions. a zombie movie. Fine, tree, fine, tree, fine. <laughs> I had such questions about the setup of this mall where the tree farm is a tunnel to the other side of town. What is happening? Yo, who, is like, the, who is the city planner? Who is laying out like this thing where the Christmas tree farm is apparently across the middle of town? All I can <laughs> guess is this is like, this place wasn't that far from abandoned in the first place. And this is a real like, Halloween store location situation where they're you're, like, what's saying, the largest bo- big box store we can just rent for a month? So you're saying the only other thing in that mall is probably like a sword store. It's like that level of abandonment. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Hallmark in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> there's a movie theater that has like one active cinema stage. It's, it's nice to know that these places exist in countries other than the US. It's, <laughs> it's nice to know. So this yeah, is also where we get uh, yet uh, two movies into this podcast. If we get yet another tampon joke, is this, uh, is this a thing in horror movies that I didn't realize? It's like, we got blood. We got ladies. Uh, I the light, light bulb. <laughs> Though this one is specifically Nick asks John if he needs a tampon, which is like, okay, Nick, come on. Uh, yeah. Clearly, Nick. He's not, he's not being not feminine, he's there. gay, yeah. come on. So uh, they, they start their slow, their slow, obviously doomed march across the Christmas tree farm. <laughs> and they- uh, The so, most terrifying Christmas tree farm that anyone has ever been in. Which, which isn't a, it's a feat. Um, it is, it's so scary. They're, they're making their way through this, there's a mislead scare with a talking gnome, and then uh, suddenly zombies emerge from the trees, too. Is this when they arm themselves with a mannequin arm and a sharpened candy cane? Yes. Uh, hey, don't, don't knock the candy cane. That candy I'm not, damage. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> the appearance of the second star of the movie, uh, the candy cane prop. I mean, I assumed it was sharpened so it could just be like kind of you stick it in the ground and it's like, hey, look at the cane in the Christmas tree farm. It's magical. That sharp? Yeah, it's a lawn ornament. It's just like you got to stick it down in the ground. It's Scotland. That is not soft ground. Okay, fair 
enough. Maybe I don't know enough about <laughs> setting up Christmas uh, decorations. To be fair, I don't know much about like the furnace of Scottish landscape, so I could just be like BSing too. Ben has established she is an expert on Christmas decoration. Yes. So. Somehow Ben has corrected us about Christmas for a number of times That's so what? far. And I don't celebrate it. That's the funny part. All of all of the uh, unnamed extras on, on Nick's uh, team all get eaten. Um, and it was sad. That was the part that like completely surprised me. I Because they're not named. I did not care about them. But the minute that Nick reacts to it, I was like, oh, I felt that. You definitely saw that there is a lot of grief hitting him that he feels he needs to bottle up to just keep moving and surviving. Right. He cared about them. They were not just his lackeys. They mattered to him. Uh, yes. Chris barely survives because he almost loses his phone and goes back despite Steph yelling at him not to. Um, yes. Because all of the important stuff in his life is on there. He might never see his Nan or Lisa again and all that's yeah. on his phone. Um which is the the revelation to the uh, Chris story that we're going to get the finale to later, yes. I think. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, Nick has a, a reaction here of, you know, Anna is like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry about your friends. And Nick says, no, they should have kept up. <laughs> yeah, but it's like not Pulls up Nick's. his coat and walks off. Yeah, it, it doesn't come off as Nick being callous. It definitely right. reads as Nick. Trying wanting to, to feel his, emotions. Yeah, yeah, burying his feelings. Yeah. Yes. So yes, they, they escape this. And then very shortly afterwards, uh, John and uh, Anna are, are hiding and talking behind a, a wall. And John decides to do an, an extravagant hand? hand gesture. And, and a zombie just bites his hand. I, wow. <laughs> that moment made me go, oh, like, that was such a wild moment. And I kind of love that. He just throws his hand out and then chomp. Yeah, I liked about about the zombies in this movie is that you know the minute they're bit, it's over. There's no like yeah. question whatsoever. So it happens and you're like, oh, he's he's dead. Like, he's was, very dead. It was so sudden. It was so unexpected. And considering that up to that point, I hadn't cared about him very much, to be honest. I cared a lot when he died. Like, again, I feel like everything in watching horror movies made me go like, okay, John is definitely going to die in this movie, but he's going to be like, right. one of, if not the last person to die. I right. was so not expecting him to be the first main character. I was expecting that, like, that, that trope that they even make fun of in Cabin in the Woods, where he seems to die and he comes back, but it turns out that's not him in this movie. No. He is not actually the main guy. Nick is. He is not. It's Nick, and Nick. I am not upset by it. <laughs> Nick is the main guy. Like, and it was the right choice. Yeah, like, that was definitely one of, like, Nick's elevation. And there is just, like, because I feel like uh, to a certain degree, uh, may, I don't know, maybe there were still good places for him to go after the rejection scene, but there was just so much pathos to everything Nick yeah. had going on the rest of the movie. And I think John really, like, jumps up as a character right here, which is, like, they don't do the, oh, I'm bit, but I guess I'll find a way, or, oh, I guess we're cut yeah. off my hand, and I'm sure that'll be fine then. No. He uh, makes the decision that in order to get Anna to the other side of this group of zombies, he's going to play a human shield and just... Wait, oh, when he hugs her and pulls her through that horde, it was so beautiful. 
Yeah. That was a really, that was a good moment. He sacrifices himself to get her out the other end. She wants to go back to help him, but you know, it's a good Nick. solid death, but it also made me realize like, wow, even the most heroic sacrifice just gets really shitty when you're being torn apart and eaten alive by zombies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's real. It was so sad. Um, you know, Nick convinces her to keep going and not go back for John. I guess that's the first of the main cast down is the, the best friend who uh, is, <laughs> is are, are supposed saying, to be the boyfriend at the beginning. Are you uh, saying Wolverine hands and watermelon guy were not main characters? <laughs> that's right. Wolverine. I would absolutely watch a movie where there are main characters named Wolverine <laughs> hands and watermelon guy. <laughs> I think I might have just watched that movie. I watched House the other day. It's, you know, oh. it's Wolverine Hands and Watermelon Girl, maybe, but um, <laughs> I'll I'm take guessing it. you don't mean House MD. No. Yeah, I was also, I was also <laughs> a little confused. I, I was like, like I don't remember that. I at some point. That episode, but I guess I didn't really see much of the last two seasons. I've had the same reaction. I saw a lot of that show, and I don't remember Hugh Laurie using a watermelon, but you never know. At some point, we'll talk about this movie maybe. because basically it's a, it's a 70s Japanese horror movie that it, I, I described it as if you told somebody who had never seen a horror movie to make a horror movie, and the only thing you gave them to model it by was Army of Darkness, but then you said, <laughs> but then you said, but horror movies are usually about young girls having to survive stuff, and so they just made Army of Darkness with the cast of Sailor Moon. Um, I am very into this idea. The version on HBO Max is like from the Criterion Collection. And it's the weirdest thing to be in the Criterion Collection that I've seen. So <laughs> I, love, I love that it's in the Criterion Collection. Amazing. There are points of it also that are like the horror version of Yellow Submarine. It's yeah. just huh. so so bizarre. But yes, it's House or Houseu. But we'll, we'll right. talk about that I'm at here some for point. Because it. it's super weird. They, they make it through. They have finally made it to the school. And they enter to find Savage alone in the front of the school as he says eating his christmas dinner oh uh, you you mean as he, he hisses it basically did anyone else though think he was eating people no no it didn't occur to me i i was in the what the fuck mode when that scene started i had no idea what he did it to was anyone. so creepy but i'm like oh shit did he eat it so, like the zombies almost got them i was like did you eat them instead like what ben, the fuck ben we, we need to talk about how much you're watching hannibal we need to talk about it <laughs> i there, might have to do an intervention yeah there's a very real possibility right here that savage may have mass murdered and or be eating people it's it feels plausible at this point. Yeah, I guess we don't actually know what he's eating. He's just sitting there alone eating his Christmas dinner in the, the front. It's such a of this. creepy reveal. So creepy. This, this actor I, is so good at playing creepy, too. Oh, he is. He is. This was definitely the moment where I was like, this can't, you know, we've been watching, uh, you know, this funny zombie musical. It's had some sad bits, but this character, this character is in, in uh, The Road. That is the movie. He's oh, yeah, no. <laughs> that Christmas dinner line, that moment is, with that doubt, like the creepiest part, like the scariest part of the movie. Yes. It, and that the whole thing, I mean, it ends up, you know, his song that we're about to hit is very funny. But when I he mean, locks yeah, once, them, we, once we get the song, it's full on Rocky Horror, but yes, before that. But, 
But when he locks them in the room with the zombies, that was still really scary right before the song even. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they're looking for their parents. He says, oh, yeah, they're just through here to this other room. And they go in and uh, it is a, a room full of zombies that he then locks them in and has a full musical number. What is it? Nothing's going to stop me now. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure what long-term plans are, but he seems to believe he's going to just be king of the zombies. <laughs> he is He is living his best life. This is the moment he is waiting for. He's never had power. This man, this man is a, not even yet a principal of a high school in the middle of nowhere. This is the most power he's yeah. ever held okay. in his hands. He's, he's very, living the middle management dream. He is he's oh, control yeah. of the whole school, even though there is very few people living alive in this school and they're not doing school stuff he is definitely in charge this is very much when he goes full dead rising boss (laughs) (laughs) yes it's this song is amazing too this song is so funny stop me now and he's dancing chicago like on the it's just like every limb is flailing in every direction (laughs) he is so funny a, a whole like showgirl number well, they are fighting for their lives against zombies in the next room over. Um, it's amazing. It's very good. I don't feel like we could talk about it enough, but I also don't feel like we can do, really do it service without somebody actually watching it. Because no, if you, if you out there listeners don't want to watch this movie, you need to listen to watch at least the scene that's Nick's song and you need to listen to and watch this song. Yeah, so and just, just Google perfect. Soldier at War and uh, nothing's going to stop me now. From from Anna and the Apocalypse, both of which are just, just really fantastic. They're perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, those are definitely the high, the standouts. Oh yes. Yeah, he's he's gone full on madman at this point. Uh, they end up <laughs> they end up getting out through one of the windows um, and make it out of the room. And they end up splitting up to find Anna's dad. Anna and Nick go to find Anna's dad, and then uh, Steph and Chris go to find Lisa and his, Chris's nan. And we're supposed to definitely think that Lisa's a zombie in this scene, right? Like, he opens the door and she's hunched over. Oh, that's definitely where I thought it was going. See, I didn't, but I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to think that, but I just know it's not how her story ends. It's definitely what it would have been in a more cynical version of this movie. Yes. And instead, it's the first time I cry in this movie because the grandmother is dead. I was like, I barely knew her, and I was tearing up yeah. because of because of Chris and Lisa's reactions to it. This is definitely the part where, like, in most horror movies, it would have been like, ha-ha, look at that fucking guy gets eaten to death yeah. by his own girlfriend. Isn't that some crazy shit? But no, like, no. true love instead. Yep. Yeah. Yep, Lisa's yep, yep. so genuinely sad and regretful that she wasn't able to do anything to to help Chris's nan, despite being the only one who was trying to do anything. Yeah. Um, you know, that she, she couldn't do anything. And yeah, because I think this is the first point where we do determine that it's not a walking dead situation because Nan does not come back and try to eat anybody. Yes, guys this have is true. Regular old heart problems is is dead. And, and know, Chris yeah. has that line of like, at least like something to like, where like she went out the normal way or like she's not going to become one of those. And yeah, again, it's a good scene about what this movie's trying to say about like zombies and dying. Yeah. Yeah, and this is uh, followed by the other very emotional scene, which I don't know if this is the other point where uh, where you cried, Chris. It is. But, uh, <laughs> My notes in, in this moment are, oh, I cried, and then, oh, I'm crying again. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we're uh, you know we we learn what what exactly the the thing is between Anna and Nick, which um, you know Anna, I guess after they slept together, Anna shared a bunch of you know what her plans are for the future and um, what she wants to do, and I guess they they might have made some plans together, and then uh, Nick quickly broke up with her. Nick. Nick thinks that Anna hates him because people found out that they slept together. And Anna's like, no, I don't care about that. Yes, second movie in a row where women have sexual agency. Just throwing it out there. It's remarkable. It is. For horror horror movies, it's incredibly remarkable. (laughs) Doesn't happen often enough. Yeah, we're not going to... This isn't going to be a common theme we come back to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, that's... Uh, they they have this this interaction and then uh, uh, Anna says something about uh, have you ever done anything that's not just about yourself? Yes. And Nick says, "Oh, you mean like kill my dad?" Oh, right in the heart. I I had no idea this is where this was going. None. It completely blindsided me. Yeah, Nick's army dad apparently got bit and then gave him a bat and told him to beat him to death. Well, to me. He says specifically, don't you let me down, son, for once. That was the line. That was the line that hit me so hard and just made me see so many more dimensions to Nick. I'm not going to lie. I'm like tearing up talking about it. Like that really was where I almost want like a Nick origin movie or like he just became became such a real, like even compared to most of the other characters, just such a real, just a real human being and if you go online you go back now and watch soldier of war where he's talking about he is a soldier he is going to fight with distinction all of the lines of that song are about making someone proud ah! again and it feels very realistic for a teenager trying to make sense yeah. and make purpose of this terrible thing but it's just it's so well done and there's just so much pathos yeah. and yeah. the actor just does such a good job Oh, it's it. heartbreaking. It's, like, it's really to the credit of the writer and the actor just how complex and likable the asshole bully Stott character ends up being. Yeah. Yeah, and he immediately runs screaming from that emotion because the uh, <laughs> yes. the zombies show up and he's like, all right, get out of here. I'm going to take them on. And Anna's like, what the fuck? Like, we're, we're in this together. And he literally grabs her and throws her out of the way yep. so yeah. that he can go He's sacrifice like, I felt an emotion. I, I felt an emotion. I'd rather be dead. <laughs> I guess I'll die. Yeah. Anna leaves him behind. <laughs> I just have Nick masculine fireball here. Um, <laughs> we get, we get, we get uh, head of the class reprise. Yeah. Oh, it's and, so and good. Anna runs off to go find her dad. We get the, the roughest scene for me in this, which was Steph, Lisa, and Chris scene. Um, is this the third scene that oh, I cried yeah. in? <laughs> yes, oh, it is. Yeah. Why, yes, it is. And the dildo that doomed them all. <laughs> okay, now that part was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, her, there's nothing funnier than her reaction to it, though. Because, yeah, so there's a, a, a group of people standing around outside of the principal's office, zombified, and uh, Steph sneaks her way in to, to get to the principal's office so that she can get the keys to her car. So they can all get out of there. She makes it successfully into the principal's office and closes the door behind her and is going through his stuff to find her keys, which she finds uh, liquor and a, sh- a large steak knife and 
uh, a, a dildo that she accidentally turns on uh, as it vibrates and she <laughs> makes, <laughs> makes the best face at this as she uh, sort of throws it out of her hands. But of so course, the, the noise of the, the falling vibrating dildo has attracted the zombie's <laughs> attention to the door. So she's not does. going to be able to get out in one in one piece. And she finally finds her keys and uh, gets ready to go to the door. Meanwhile, Lisa and Chris uh, are trying to figure out a way to distract the zombies. And as Steph comes out, she finds that they have they've plugged Chris's phone into the uh, into oh. the video input for the uh, the TV and the waiting and room. It's all scenes of their friendship and their romance, and it's so beautiful. Um, it's so sad. It's so sad. Like, it's so sweet. Um, no, it was so much more emotionally affecting than I was set, than I was expecting. I, I agree, and that it's it's the best version of we have this character that's been filming the whole time, and it comes back, and you know he's been filming their whole lives apparently, and it's all these like scenes we didn't see of their friendship of their love before the movie and it's so beautiful i wrote in my notes oh i'm sad for the straights <laughs> i know this movie made me care about straight romance <laughs> what <laughs> they're watching this and they're they've snuck up behind the tv the zombies are distracted by the tv and they go to uh hedge their way out at which point the phone starts dying the zombies realize that they're there and uh, they bite both Lisa and Chris before the phone corrects yeah. itself and starts playing the video again, distracting the zombies. Oh, heartbreaking. I think it's, it, it, it's a scene of them kissing, too, that comes up on the, on the screen right as they both are bit. And it's, oh, so good. Remarkably well done. For the, it, it is. It's a very touching. Yeah. Movie. And, you know, he, he makes the signal for Steph to go and he gives her this little wave. Oh. It's so yeah, it's beautiful. so. It would be so easy for them as the you know the couple that's at the beginning in quotation marks so in love in high school, for this to be like a joke that you know they are so in love. But uh, right. you know, I, I think at this point, not bite like, for jokes, bite for like real romantic pathos. Yeah, yeah. And and I bought it. Like I believed or in their just, love. Or even just something for like, you know, did have you ever seen a train for Busan? Mm -hmm. No. So that one is one where, uh, you know, spoilers for that, they introduce the lovey-dovey high school couple and, like, you know, the girl gets bit and the guy can't deal with it and then she bites him. And it is very much that, like, playing that for, like, just absolute bleakness. Yeah. Like, but it, instead, it they it. realize that they're both bit and they kind of are, like, looking at each other's wounds and then they're holding each other. And it's so moving. Oh, yeah, they, they decide to stay behind and watch the rest of the video it's this it's and it's again it's a recurring motif that this movie chooses tenderness when like yes. nine movie nine horror movies out of ten would go for like bleak uh like mean-spirited like just devastation yes and we're gonna see that the most you know explicitly in the next two songs that are in this movie i'm a big fan of the fact that like this actually plays out Chris's character arc as it's introduced in the first act of like yeah. trying to figure out what matters to him. Yeah. yeah. For no, for sure. It's a really well done character arc. Yeah. yeah and it, it's her, but it's also all of them. It's the whole lot of them that matter to him. And it's so lovely. 
because we yeah. see John. John is in that video too. I don't know if you noticed that I was like, oh, I'm feeling feelings about John again too. I will say, and this is part of one of the reasons I'm not super hot on the movie, just because now we're going to get into the part where it is all about her. Uh, mm -hmm. We've been talking about this movie for a while. We really haven't said that much about Anna. I am prepared to do so, though. <laughs> there is. like where, the, I, and I just wanted to bring that up now just because the rest of the movie is when it finally actually feels like it's shining more of the spotlight yeah. on Anna rather than the supporting cast that built around her. I think that's fair. I think there are a few moments that, you know, happened earlier. There's a moment I think I forgot to mention where um, I think it's John asks her if she really thinks she's going to get to go away from this place after everything that's happened. And she says, watch me. And that's her. Like, yeah. that is her character. Um, but you are right. Like, it's definitely much for an ensemble cast until the ensemble gets eaten. Yeah, from like, from pretty much this point on, it is Anna's story, but it is... Yes. I was a little surprised by just like for the titular for a movie with a titular character how much yeah. of an ensemble piece it was leading up yeah. to this. I would agree. To the positive generally is uh, yeah how I feel about it because yeah I think there are some there are some distinctive things about Anna like you mentioned the the line about you know watch me and the bit about her not being ashamed about having had sex with Nick yeah like just and being. That, the the whole way through, everyone understands that she's going to be okay. Like, nobody is concerned that Anna is not going to be okay. Yeah. Because they're always like, you'll figure it out. You know, we're worried about everybody else. You'll figure it out. Yeah. So this is uh, the point where uh, she, where Anna finds Savage in the auditorium with her dad tied up on stage in Christmas decorations. And um, do they sing about it as if it is a play? Yes. Do they do it? Yes, they do. Oh, my. <laughs> this song is so much fun. Yeah, she, she uh, you know, is, is challenged and takes a moment to put, a, put her hair up in a ponytail before yes. she uses her uh, candy cane mace to smash her way through the zombies. So uh, she puts her hair up in a very real-looking messy ponytail, which is the moment I wrote down, I can't believe this wasn't a woman who wrote this. Because... Well, first of all, there's no male gaze in this movie at any point, shockingly. Yeah, um, no, there, no, nobody is ever any less than fully dressed other yeah. than the male right. Chippendales. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's female yeah. gaze in this movie when you point it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's really all the objectification we get is just, uh, yeah. is just the backup Santa dancers. The sexy, the, this, sexy penguins. I, I think about the fact that, you know, the earlier was it last year time has lost all meaning was it this year when birds of prey came out oh i loved i yes it was so, this year I okay thank you i seen in birds of prey yeah so when she hands her the hair tie and i think about how for like weeks twitter was just like sign that this was written by a woman and then i'm watching this scene and i was like hey he got it too it feels very real and it's a, a very less dramatic equivalent of taking off her earrings at this point um you know <laughs> It's just or, like, I feel like right. in another movie, she would have a knife and have cut off her hair or something, you know, in a movie that isn't as good as this. That would have been what happened. Instead, she's like, or messy ponytail, let's fight. <laughs> okay, maybe I watched a lot of anime. What are you saying? <laughs> she, she fights her way through the zombie it's, horde and flips her way up on the stage. So it's good. definitely like musical fight choreography because I had in my notes at one point, she just, after like whacking two zombies out of a whole horde, she just kind of 
throws away her candy cane and I wrote down like, <laughs> no, what are you doing? But then she just kind of like flips back into her hands and it's like, oh, we're on musical rules, never mind. Right. I did like when she knocks the zombie over and uses him as a ramp up to the stage. Yes, well, all the zombies like fall in perfect use and to make like that kind of like bridge perfect. for her to walk through. I'm like, it's ah. perfect. Yeah, and it, it feels, has a lot, a lot like in the it. "Don't Stop Me Now" number from Shaun of the Dead. The, yeah, they're fighting <laughs> me now. It does, and it has a line in it. Going back to what this movie has to say about humanity, her line in it that you know Savage is singing about how everyone deserves to die, basically, and she goes, "There's good in this world, and it's worth trying to save." It's a good yeah. line. It's a good theme. Mm-hmm. And again, this this movie, it's it is a sweet hearted movie yes which i like i actually would be fine with more sweethearted horror movies yeah which is how i feel too about i've I've told you both that i've watched after midnight this week Mm -hmm. and i feel very similarly about that movie i know the ending of the first season of true detective is kind of controversial but to me i always liked it quite a lot because after all that after such a dark nihilistic season i actually kind of like that it ended on a pretty hopeful optimistic note we we finish up the scene with the the fight between anna and savage on stage savage and dad finally and uh savage gets knocked off the stage and and torn apart Uh, basically stage dives accidentally into zombies yes well we do get chekhov's jesus star i wrote down chekhov's (laughs) jesus <laughs> what are well, the I chances? Out, in the beginning of the movie when it first swung and I like I wrote in my notes like is this gonna be a Chekhov's Jesus star and then I'm like it is like all I, caps underline 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 I swear this isn't even a joke that's what my notes say too Chekhov's <laughs> Jesus star it is it is which knock him stage dive a horde of zombies and then I, I gotta admit, I lied about only crying three times because I definitely cried at this next scene as well. This scene did not get to me, mostly just because as soon as Anna was like, no, don't kill him. He's not worth it. I'm like, ah, you stupid. Well, yeah. now, this is what happens next is on you, Anna. Can't help I, you here. I feel like we, uh, you know, we learned so many important things from these movies, talking about them on the podcast. Like last week, we learned that if somebody says, does anyone know you're alive? You always say yes. In this movie, if there is a character that you have the, the inkling, maybe I should leave them alive. Don't do it, ever. Just don't. Like, especially not for, like, a Batman. Like, that makes us as bad as the zombies. Like, like no, no, it does like, not. <laughs> no, like, you have been through a whole apocalypse. Like, trust me, like, kill him. It's fine. This is not going to corrupt your soul. This is like a drop in the PTSD but like ocean at this point. Like, yeah, you this may is actually use zombies save as a lives. weapon to kill people. Like, yeah. yeah, like, fucking take out the threat and get out of here if you're dead or else you're going to F it all up, Anna. Right. And what, what is the scenario if he stays alive? He, this man, if this is Walking Dead and he like lives through it, he's starting a zombie worshipping cult. You can't yeah. tell me he isn't. Yeah, he's like, definitely the bad guy of the next movie as well. Like, you know? I can't <laughs> stab him. I need to like watch him be ripped to death, eaten alive. Like the with, with, <laughs> yeah, with so stabbing him more. with a candy cane not like brutal enough for you. Like, that's and, so that's much more merciful. Like, Let's let yeah. him be ripped to pieces. Yeah. Yeah, so we, but we anyway, to it and it doesn't do that. And what happens next? Her dad we gets to it already. His, her dad is bitten, and uh, you know she she tries to take him with her and he's no and i'm not going uh also we have the yeah. sudden return of nick 
who is not yeah. dead has, has killed all yeah, of the zombies. He is Nick, he is actually head of his class at killing yes, zombies. It Nick wasn't got, an exaggeration. Nick got the classic like, oh, I heroically sacrificed myself. What? I'm not dead. I'm back. Yes, he got the role I thought John was going to have, and I was yeah. very happy about it. He I also was, has a really a strong moment of pathos here, which she's like asks her dad if he wants her to kill him, and Nick says, "Don't." That was really good. Oh, that yeah. was really good. That and the line where uh, that character, the dad says, "You know, your mom would be so proud of you." <sighs> see, I this dad really did work for me because every time we see him, he's doing something kind for someone. Like you know, when he's in the, the like the uh, the light booth for the show, he's being so supportive of Lisa. When the grandmother is dying, he goes and gets her a pillow. Like every time we see him, he is the anti-savage to the degree that it did work for me when he died. It was very sad. Well, uh, yeah, but Nick and Nick and Anna make a, a that, run for the parking lot. Deli, I know I've said it before, but I'm that was just another example of they did so much with Nick's character and like a yeah. record little amount of like narrative space. Yes. Like yes. characters that like main characters of movies aren't as well developed as Nick is and like five lines of like dialogue. I agree. And then they get their, their duet, which is all about how everything has been horrible, but they're not willing to give up hope yet. Yeah. And it is increasingly, increasingly clear that they're going to die throughout this scene as the zombies close in, and they're sure that this is going to happen. And uh, and it's it starts to snow, but it, like Chris wanted it to. <laughs> did I get emotional of this? No, I did. <laughs> and then at the the last minute, Steph arrives with the car. It's not too late for hope, and sometimes hope takes the form of a lesbian with a hatchback. <laughs> that is true. And she comes in with the line, I saved your fucking lives. Yeah, and uh, you know, they jump in the car and take off to, to God knows where over a, a slow reprise of No Such Thing as a Hollywood Ending. To literally no one knows where, because yeah. Steph goes, they where are we know. going? And they're like, but, uh. don't know. <laughs> And there is no such thing as a Hollywood ending. I guess we're going to London. I hear they'll have this like cleared up in 28 hours. <laughs> oh, when she's going back to when her dad dies and she's like, surely they're working on a cure. And I just had like a 2020 like dissociation moment. <laughs> surely someone in charge is being responsible. <laughs> Me stares out the window. <laughs> yeah. Surely someone has to be, like, doing the right thing. Surely someone. Uh, <laughs> Steph, just, Steph just staring out in, like, cynical gay. <laughs> She's like, I know these straights. The straights don't know. But we do have, like, again, like, that whole thing. Like, her whole thing, she wanted to get out of this town, and it does yeah. end with her leaving yeah. the town. Like, again, yeah. even what uh, John said, like, you really think you're just going to make it out? And she's like, watch me. And she fucking does. And we watched her. We, we watched, watched her. her do it. She makes it out of the town, and Steph has a little family. and Yeah, because there, there is this through line we didn't mention where Steph tries to make friends, and she's such an awkward turtle that she cannot do it. Like, she can't have regular conversations with them up until it now. It is what makes that goodbye moment she has with Chris so poignant. It is. 
I don't know. So it's a, it's a sad ending into the regard that like half the characters we care about are dead. And it is sad in that they don't know what is out there. But I still maintain that overall, the ethos of this movie is hope. Yeah, yeah. We do get flashes to all of the the dead or dying characters uh, in, in this last bit. John still got his light up sweater. <laughs> yes, yes, he's zombified. And, so uh, don't know, worry, zombie John still has John's best personality. And he's batting at the lights because they're distracting him. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. And then Lisa and Chris, their hands just barely touch as they're shambling by each other. Oh, that was, that, that, that was a touching moment. Right. Yeah, and then we get a uh, we get one last scare at the end here with the zombie Santa Claus jumping Santa? at the screen. Was not expecting that. <laughs> that was so weird. I feel like that was like one of the only true jump scares. Yeah, that's that's probably true. <laughs> I think they were. I think it feels very much like a a thing where they were like, yeah, nobody is going to be expecting this at this point after our <laughs> long, our long sad hopeful musical number. And- and they were right. They were right. I definitely jumped. <laughs> and then we cut to the cartoon credits that are hilariously over the top uh, of just zombie death. <laughs> so and that's that's the end of this. Uh, what, what are like raw feelings on this overall? Ben, I know you had said like you're not, you didn't feel completely sold on, on this one. I mean, I kind of, I mean, like, again, Chris, you're right. There's definitely lots of good elements to appreciate huh. about this movie. Like, yes, it's not a movie. I mean, I would be in any rush to like watch again. Like, all in all, I think a lot of the things that did well, I've also seen. Like, a lot, I feel like there's a lot of movies I'd probably put on before. Like, it definitely felt like an amalgamation of things I'd preferred in other sources. Like, it felt very kind of like you know, like a little jennifer's body a little like a lot in Shaun of the dead like a lot of like mm-hmm. okay i've seen like christmas horror movies but it was still like all in all like pretty well done so like it's not a movie that like i'm raving about but it's not a movie i'd call bad by any means either see at the beginning you were much more down on it and i said i was going to turn you around on this mm-hmm. <laughs> you were part so you were partially successful good <laughs> Are you I mean, going to listen to Soldier at War again? <laughs> <laughs> that I'll listen. That's the only song I'm going to listen to. Like, to me, it still has, again, there's a lot to appreciate. And look, I always prefer appreciating a movie's good elements over focusing on the bad. I always, I like yeah. liking things. So there is a lot yeah. of good to appreciate. But to me, kind of the flaws of a lot of the musical stuff doesn't work for me. And I do think there's a few too many relationships for them to get like the attention they really need and deserve but again i'd rather focus on all the elements to enjoy and there's plenty to be enjoyed in this movie yeah fair uh at this point i feel like nobody's going to be surprised that i loved this movie i'm probably gonna watch it again this week i loved it so much i haven't stopped listening to the soundtrack for even a second since i watched it i i enjoyed it a lot i don't I think I'm a little bit with with Ben on some of the the music is not my favorite. Um, I mean, there's there are a couple of standouts. I think you know, Soldier at War is a real standout. Uh, I think uh, as much as I like, uh, no one's gonna stop me now. Like, I don't think that's when I would just listen to. It is. I don't think it would be nearly as much fun without uh, watching him just absolutely ham the shit out of that performance. 
Yeah. yeah I, I do think Paul Kay, who plays Arthur Savage, really like uh, brings the second half of this movie through. Like, I, I, I feel like a lot of the, the fun adventure stuff of the first half of it, um, I, I was anticipating it not quite coming together at the end. And I think the insanity with which he, he plays, yeah. you know, middle management cult leader is, um, is great. And uh, yes. I, I really like this cast. Like they yes. are all, all the characters are well-written and all of the parts are well acted despite there being like, all of these actors are, are relatively unknown. Yeah, right. like, like I think like Anna is on that uh, the Dickinson show on Apple with oh. like Haley Seinfeld where she plays um, Emily's main love interest. Oh. So I know that. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, w- I looked into like some of the teenage actors. And I was disappointed to see that. Um, are you know, there a lack are of they Wikipedia articles? They're not you, really teenagers. No, they're not right? really like the, the actors who played the teenagers. <laughs> okay, no. I was gonna be very shocked if any of these people were actually teenagers. Although no, they're much no. more convincing teenagers yeah. than several of the horror movies I've watched recently. That's fair. I um, think yeah. Anna would have been like 19 or... Anna's okay. actress would have been like 19 or 20 when yeah. this movie came out. And since yeah, they're, they're relatively... A few years down. Yeah, since they're relatively unknown, I feel like there's slightly more chance than usual of them actually hearing this. So let me just say, Ben, please make an album. Make an album. I will buy it immediately. <laughs> Yes. Ben, if you're listening to this, you're a good singer. Uh, please sing uh, more and act in more in movies and television shows. You're really good at it. And I would like to say the same to uh, Sarah Swire, who, who plays uh, Steph North, who is fantastic and is still in, in fairly few things and has an incredible voice. You're also yes. very, very good at singing and acting. Please yeah. do more of it. Please. Please. This is all I ask. We'll get into a bit more of, of stuff I like about that particular portrayal for, for Steph uh, as we, we go through the questions at the end here. But I, it sounds like I, I have a general question about like how people left a feeling. It sounds like, you know, we uh, it's got this sort of sad but hopeful. Um, yeah. I think we're all, it sounds like we're all glad we watched it. I mean, Ben, are you, yeah. you glad you watched yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt like it was a movie I needed in this this the year of 2020 it felt very necessary in my life yeah it's very it's remarkably timely (laughs) they could not have known three years ago when it came out it's remarkable and yeah the question of of whether it's going to keep us up at night uh i think the only real answer to that is no such thing as a hollywood ending (laughs) repeating in my head until two in the morning um, uh, accurate yes that and just uh <laughs> soldier at war which is playing in loop in my head right now as we talk as much as like no such thing as a hollywood ending is is sort of the like main song of the movie it's sort of the i don't know it feels like it's meant to be the message of a lot of the stuff in it like i feel like i could do without that song <laughs> that song is so very what it is on on its surface but yeah and it, it also it just has that drill that just buries itself in your brain and shows up at two in the morning and yes <laughs> nobody's happy to see it <laughs> two in the morning we're, we're coming to the actual questions of like just the progressive politics in this movie yeah now there's some of these that we're gonna have probably a bit to say uh, say about um and, and how they work i guess the one that is gonna be pretty quick though is uh how did this how did this movie deal with people of color and race 
which is uh, not much. Are they? Are there any? Uh, I do believe that um, Lisa and uh, Nick are biracial. Okay. Yeah, I I could not find anything about uh, Ben, the actor who who plays Nick, about where he's from. He is, uh, yeah, he's quite a a either you know light brown or dark tan uh, gentleman with you know know, curly dark hair. He he could be you know uh, Middle Eastern. He could be Greek. He could be yeah just about anything. He is notably less Scottish than a lot of the crew. Um, <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, and then uh, Marley Sue, who plays Lisa, is uh, her, her father's from Hong Kong, her mother is from Scotland. Okay. Um, and yeah, they, they don't play into that at all with the character and the story no. in this. Okay. They don't mention her being any anything other than just Scottish in here, um, but it's definitely... You know, looking through her IMDb page, it, it's something that it looks like other things she's been have done a bit more with. Okay, yeah, it doesn't see. I wouldn't say that this movie plays with or is commenting on race. No, but I also think you know it treats its um, POC characters uh, responsibly and yeah. gives them like good attention and development. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. Yeah, there's no sort of just out of the way uh, stuff in here that that bothers me like the the race stuff in Jennifer's body, which also was very yeah. white and, you know, was, was enough to really like make me stop and reevaluate the movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. And there's not a lot of, I mean, this is kind of a broad comment for all of our questions. There's not a lot of slurs. There's no, there's no slurs, right? Like there's nothing thrown around even by bad guys in it that I can think of. Yeah, I would say the worst we get is Nick makes a few kind of anti-feminine comments directed to the tampon. Yeah. Yeah. But nothing in the way of slurs or really full-on, like, racism or homophobia. No. Yeah, it's just a bit... He's got a bit with the toxic masculinity. Which it turns out there's a lot to it. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a whole lot going on there sure is (laughs) yeah and the the other question i feel like we probably have relatively little to say about is the the question of uh mental health mental illness and and physical disability in this movie which there there are two things believe it or not i found two things (laughs) (laughs) okay go for it they are just lines so there is the asthma used as a jump scare not great probably I don't have much more to say about it, but it felt like not great. And they also say something about a character with a prosthetic leg that is a joke. So that wasn't great either. I do not remember what the joke is. Though. It's a joke it's, about Lisa being stupid. Uh, it it because, is, but... Because they say that Savage is is giving this kid a hard time because he can't break dance. And then Anna right. says, well, he has a prosthetic. And Lisa says, all right. And like just one leg too. Or, right, but like, I, I think there are people with prosthetics that can break dance. So that was also part of right. it where it was like, okay, that felt cheap and unnecessary, but that's it. Yeah. That's the hall of it. There's nothing else in this movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the closest I think we, we veer to mental illness is uh, just the, the general kooky madness of, uh, of Savage. And then the, uh, you know, the general oh. trauma that, you know, yes. Nick's dealing with. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah as like, far as grief goes, yes. But I maintain that Savage is in his right mind and he is living his best life. He is evil. <laughs> He's enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, it is, his level of evil is very, his level of madness is very uh, mad scientist-y. Yeah, it doesn't feel, it's not even like, you know, and I'm saying this as a fan of Batman, it's not even like it's played as if he's crazy. It's just who he is. Like, it doesn't seem to be implied that it's mental illness. Yeah, I and mean, speaking of Batman, he's a real, like, Hugo Strange type. Um, <laughs> yes, it's oh, true. Sure. He yeah. would be very at home in Gotham. He would go there and be like, ah, my people. <laughs> I mean, yes, he's, he, I mean he's an administrator already, at Arkham. I mean, he's already yes. going in with a villain name like Headmaster Savage. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's our, there already is a Savage, isn't there? Who is that? Uh, Vandal there's Savage. Somebody. Yes. Vandal and the Scandal Savage. Oh, yeah, the Savages. <laughs> I knew there was some. Maybe he's an immortal. Wait. <laughs> there's a whole backstory. <laughs> He, he, that would explain so much about his 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 life if his dad is Vandal Savage, his sister is Scandal Savage, and he is Arthur Savage. He's he is the unsuccessful <laughs> Savage sibling. He's the middle management that's why, Savage. That's why he's so angry. And <laughs> his sister is out there, you know, on on Secret Six with her with her super strong girlfriend murdering people for fun. Um, and yes. he is stuck as a as a middle management administrator at a high school. There, there was a time when he was full of hope, and he's like, "No, Dad, I'm gonna go become a teacher and do good in this world." But this <laughs> is where he ended up. He's gonna end up like that teacher in a uh, Fairly Odd Parents, going like, "No, zombies are real. <laughs> yes. I was their leader. Yes, I finally can show my dad that I'm powerful too." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, not not much, not too much <laughs> to deal with mental illness wise. Not too much to deal with race wise. No. Um, how do we feel about the? Uh, and I, I think this is going to lead into our other question a little bit. Um, so, how do we feel about the the feminism and how this treats female characters in this movie? I think it treats them extremely well. Like it's another movie where we have uh, agency, where we have sexual agency, where they're fleshed out, and there's no male gaze, as we discussed. There's so much good with this movie. I feel like we've mentioned it all along, how you know well this movie treats the women. Yeah, both both Lisa and Anna, I mean, Lisa, they, I don't think they say that, you know, Lisa and Chris are sexually active, but having been in high school, that couple definitely is. It seems um, like it, yes. Yeah. And, you know, Anna specifically, they discuss her having sex and it being something that she's not ashamed of, isn't bothered yeah. by. Um, which is is nice, yeah. And both of them are really, really good, really solid characters with a, a and lot. And Steph to as well, yeah. Them. Yeah, Steph, I, I was uh, holding back on because I think that's going to tie into our other question. A lot of uh, LGBT yes. characters in this. Fair, but even so, the you know, it's important to note that feminism is not just showing the female characters well, right? It's, it has a lot to say about masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this movie says a lot of really interesting, good things about masculinity. So we have John talking, he's the nice guy stereotype, even calls himself that, but he doesn't end up playing into that the way that most other horror movie boyfriends would, or wannabe yeah. boyfriends would. And then when we have, you know, the big you, chip. <laughs> chip. I mean, chip. just how good a boyfriend and just how the fact that Chris is, yeah. is at every stage, uh, Chris is portrayed as like a sensitive, like yes. caring, like empathetic, like 
person lying there. Like it is really, there's very few of those stereotypical macho qualities. Yeah. And at no point is that. And then again, while, and while Chris goes on his whole arc, it's an arc pertinent to him and who he is. And at no yeah. point is that l- lack of macho trait, masculine traits ever considered a downside. And when we have our hyper-masculine character, his whole backstory is that's been forced upon him. And that's like where the pathos and the emotion is coming from is that, you know, his father has forced him to be a man and be manly. And that's what he's trying to act out to make him proud. Yeah, he has been genuinely traumatized by toxic masculinity. Yeah. So I think this movie is extraordinarily feminist. Absolutely agreed, 100%. I feel like uh, toxic masculinity. Yeah, toxic masculinity is something that's actually like very f- rarely broached in horror stuff. Yeah. Um, just because I, I think even when women are portrayed well in horror, a lot of the time it is a dip into you know being more masculine and yeah, you know, being willing to kill some dudes and stuff like that. And I I think this movie does a good job of of really questioning that. Yeah. Um, without you know, necessarily beating it over the head. Right, because we have Lisa is never shown as weak. Like, she is not, it's not implied that she is at all, but she is not out there killing zombies. She doesn't kill a single one of them. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there is a, there is a, I don't know, there's a lot of kind of quiet dialogue about gender dynamics in this movie, and I think it's all good. Yeah. I like to believe this is how all of Scotland is, but I'm fairly certain that's not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, this is just, this is a little uh, utopian school here. Um, all right, so I mean, let's talk other about than the principal. <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's talk about Steph. Um, yeah. As, as feminist and as LGBT rap, and I feel like there's a real strong case one could make for uh, for Steph being autistic as well. Oh yeah. What do you? Think about like Steph versus Chris, because I was also thinking about that for like Chris possibly, like, oh, and but to me, if they both are, that makes their own like the bond they form over the movie like has that whole other dynamic to it. If that's yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that kind of tracks. That that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I mean, especially Steph. I think yeah, Steph really has difficulty communicating and relating to yeah. people. Um, despite yeah. obviously having plenty of emotions. Uh, to me, I think there was also the element of, because um, to me, it, it always felt like between like Steph's feeling a lot of anger and loneliness and isolation, yeah. it always felt like she was never trying to push people away, but she almost couldn't help herself from saying something she knew would be hurtful. Well, even when she doesn't, though, because there's the scene in the cafeteria when she asks Chris to help her uh, with the video, and she tries to make, like, a playful joke, and it completely falls flat, and she just, like, does the awkward finger guns. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, when she approaches them, it has a very, like, uh, hi, (laughs) like, I'm here. Oh, goodness, how how am I supposed to say hi to people, like, feeling? Yeah. yeah. uh, Man, been there. Man, it was yeah. really nice just having just such a visibly, clearly, plainly, que- openly queer main character in a horror movie and just have it be total plain Jane matter of fact. Yes. Yeah. Going back to the idea that there is no like homophobic slurs, there's really not even any homophobia. Like 
even Nick, who is like the most likely to have said something, doesn't say anything about this. Steph and is she just. They don't even, we don't even have to see like she the is. queer character get painfully, horrifically killed off. She lives. I love it. Yeah. And yeah, and as, as far as Nick, like Steph is the one taking dings at Nick the whole time. You know, Steph is. Deserved is, most of the time, yeah. yes. Yeah. And Steph is, is so over uh, Nick's bullshit. Um, yeah. You know. As well she should be. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love it. But yeah, from, from, from the awkwardness to the Kate McKinnon haircut to uh, yes. <laughs> just everything about the way, the way she plays, I, I think it's, it's great. And it's, it's a real interesting counterpoint to, you know, Jennifer's body, which while we liked it, they, yeah. there was a very like uh, sexual element to the queer stuff in there. Yeah. And like, yeah. I, I think this movie does a strange thing in that like, you know, we we're talking about kind of wanting Steph's girlfriend to be there and feeling like a little bit of a cop out maybe that she's not. So they don't actually have to portray a queer relationship here, but also it makes it so like there's zero male gaze about her being a queer woman. Right. Like, yeah. I, I didn't actually yeah. feel like it was a cop out. Usually I would when that happened. I don't, but... I didn't mind yeah. um, her not having a love interest or a relationship just because she's so like in the way she presents and her yeah. clothing and her manner, the way she talks, like, She's just so visibly, like, she's just so eminently queer that I didn't right. feel like, oh, she needs to be, like, with another girl at the end in order for it to, like, feel like real right. queer representation. I feel like every moment she's on screen is real queer representation. Yeah. Right. It, th this movie does a thing that I honestly, if I had to tell someone how to get right, I'm not sure I could do it because it's so subtle where it's and, oh, both, sorry, like, I, a part of her you know, it's inherently a part of her and it's not what everything's about, but and it I does, go ahead. I just, I hope I didn't mean to imply that queerness looks a certain way or you need to look a certain way to be queer. I just hope like, that's absolutely not what I meant. What right. I'm right. No, talking I, about there's steps. a lot of ways to be queer, but one of the ways is the way that she is. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't myself sending out any sure. messages that I don't want to, that, aren't true yeah well, weighing in is the person who who has the least ground to actually talk about this because <laughs> yes jeremy please I tell us uh i i think like the her queerness comes through very much in the like uh being different right like say yeah. i think that's one of the things that as, as somebody watching a movie looking to identify with somebody they don't necessarily have to be the same type of different that you are or the same type of you know in this case queer that you are but like she is so, so clearly different, and so yeah. uh, you know clearly queer in her presentation, in, yeah. in a way that's really, um, that's really interesting and really subtle and well done. In a yeah. you know, and not often a way that, speaking of Kate McKinnon, like Kate McKinnon is Kate McKinnon, you know, reads yes. queer, um, and I, I think that's that's important and something that's I, I feel like very rarely done well and and very rarely in. Uh, horror movies especially I feel like I, I've talked to you both about this movie a bunch in the last week and I'm, I'm gonna beat it to death but like I, I watched a suspense horror movie uh, called what keeps us alive um, mm -hmm. in which the main character is is not just a not just a queer woman but a, a butch queer woman 
And that felt like so quietly revolutionary because I was like, I don't, yeah. I don't feel yeah. like I've ever seen. I mean, I've seen very few movies in which they, you know, butch queer woman is a lead, but no horror movies in which that's ever yeah. been the case. Uh, you know, when you know when sexuality is touched upon, when you know there are queer women and something, usually they're very, they're very specific types. Yeah, there was um, something very refreshing about non-sexualized queerness. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it, it's in in an interesting way because it it doesn't feel like. Uh, he said, it doesn't feel like a cop-out. It doesn't feel like no. it's no. just there because they don't want to deal with it. No, it's, yeah, it's still very important and it informs who she is without being the only characteristic we know about her. There's like so much going on with her that it works. Well said. Yeah, it's like, it's a key aspect and part of her identity because yeah. that's what queerness is, but it's not tied into her goal. Like it's not tied into yeah. like, you know, I like that, despite all that it like that her goal at the beginning was you know just rooting out corruption that yeah you know, like a you know a thing you can very much see rooted in her identity and her marginalization and something born from that but not something that's you know something that's just still felt like a natural extension of like a care of a multifaceted character absolutely yeah it's, it's not a plot point in the way that being straight isn't a plot point you know yeah yeah is is refreshing yeah. Good on you, Anna and the Apocalypse. That's some good <laughs> representation. Yes, it is. I feel like pretty solidly across the board, other than like it, it didn't really deal with, you know, race stuff and very, mm-hmm. you know, the bit it did do with mental illness and mental wellness. I think it's more mental wellness um, in this case. Yeah. Is, is good. I, I feel like we already kind of know the answer to this, but would you guys recommend this movie? A hundred percent. I would recommend it to, I would need to know about the person and their interest to recommend it. I've already just been blasting people on Twitter with it just willy-nilly. Like, like if I knew someone was like a Disney musical fan and a big like spooky Halloween fan, yes, go, I would recommend go it. Go ahead, Ben. Just say if I hadn't seen this, you would have recommended it to me. Yes, like you would actually recommend it. If someone's like, ooh, I just saw like, Get Out and The Haunting of Hill House. Would I like Anna and the Apocalypse? I'd be like, it's a different vibe than you might be going for. But if your Venn diagram like me is Jennifer's Body, but also Disney Channel's Halloween Town. If it takes you less than a, <laughs> if it takes you less than a full weekend to binge a full a season of Lucifer, yes, watch Anna and the Apocalypse. Stop coming for me. <laughs> I love it. I would absolutely recommend this movie to, you know, basically anybody who doesn't have issues with musicals or zombies um because i know those are two very specific things that some people are like nope not for me on very different ends of that spectrum um that is true you know and and they're probably different groups of people that bow out of musicals and bow out of zombie stuff and if you know you were coming for one and got the other might not be happy but otherwise um i think i think it's absolutely it's great uh it's fantastic well done across the board um, 100%. For people who, who are watching this, who, who you know are, are listening to this because they, they love the movie or uh, are listening to it because they, they went and saw it because of the podcast, uh, what other stuff would you recommend to them if they liked Anna and the Apocalypse? So I honestly had a hard time with this because I was trying to think of anything that was like Anna and the Apocalypse, uh, like in, that would hit the same just pure dopamine button for me that this movie did 
Mm-hmm. Um, and as I think I ended up having to piece it apart. So if you're came here for the dark musical humor, um, I would say Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog is the closest in mm. tone, right? In tone, like I yes. feel like yeah. is the same. Look, yeah. as much as I, of all people, do not want to recommend a Joss Whedon project, that one though. It's I hard not do. to recommend anybody that's in that though. Like, yeah, that's a good cast. Everybody associated with that that's not a Joss Whedon is very difficult to uh, to not love. The cognitive dissonance of being someone who one of my favorite horror movies is Cabin in the Woods and one of my favorite musicals is Dr. Horrible continues to astound me, but here I am. (laughs) So I think, yeah, if you're here for the musical, if you liked the dark humor of it, I think you would enjoy Dr. Horrible if there is some way you haven't already seen it. But I feel like if those two things are things you've liked, you've already seen that movie. If you, however, came for the zombies and a strong female lead, but not tonally the same at all. I would recommend uh, the book Feed by Myra Grant, which is about a young woman who is a blogger during the zombie apocalypse trying to figure out like the world now in a similar way, but much darker, though it also has a hopeful tent to it to the end. I also um, spent a while trying to figure out like what I would recommend based on it. And like I said, I kind of came away from like, the teen element. So my recommendation is actually going to move away from really horror altogether. And if you want more stories that, uh, you know, really respects and cares about its teen characters and lets them be complex and also, uh, you know, kind of knows a little bit of, has this kind of like a bit of an over the top cheesy tone while still being very kind of good hearted and sincere. Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, people check out Cobra Kai. Ooh, I've heard good things, and I love the Karate Kid movies. Oh, yeah, no. If, you, if you're if you already a fan of the Karate Kid movies, uh, big, big recommend uh, Cobra Kai, for sure. But also just, yeah, a show that, uh, you know, really does take, uh, really treats its whole next generation of Karate Kids uh, with a lot of uh, respect and nuance. I love that. I'm I'm just starting Cobra Kai and it's been a little difficult for me to get into uh not because of of you know uh stuff with Karate Kid. I I love the original Karate Kid movies, but I feel like and I I think this probably changes over the course of the show just uh from hearing people talk about it, but Johnny is so damn unlikable in that first episode. He's you know, racist and horrible and oh, uh, just just a real sack of shit. Johnny is such a fascinating character i mean the fact that like again we're focusing on the first movie's villain who's now like a total loser like a total you know fuck bucket loser (laughs) and seeing him like seeing his journey and trying to untangle the wreckage of his life and make other people's lives better like it like he is a very compelling and complex character and again you want to talk about a character traumatized by toxic masculinity trying to work through that. That's Johnny Lawrence to a T. Why, yes, I always want to talk about a character that's traumatized by toxic masculinity, so you have me. There's, there's such a... Um, I, I think my biggest objection to the, the first episode, which, honestly, by the time they get to Daniel in the first episode, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm in now. Uh, but, like, it feels so much like every newspaper article about uh, do you really want to understand the Trump voter? And 
how, oh, no. how they came to where they are. And I'm just like, no, no, I don't. No, this is Cobra Kai is a multi-generational karate soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> At every point during the show, you will be able to correctly guess the plot by going, well, what would cause the most drama if it was to happen now? And then that thing will happen. And you're like, I knew it was going to happen, but I sure am loving this drama. Are you telling me it is the Riverdale of Karate Kid? It really is. Well, now I'm even more in. Like, whatever secret is being kept, it will be revealed at the moment of maximum drama. I just want to know now if, if there is ever a bingo card of this podcast. Are we going to mention Mean Girls in Riverdale in every episode? Find I hope out so. next time. I, <laughs> I'm going to have to watch more Riverdale if that's the case. I haven't even watched that much, and I've still been the one that's brought it up both times. I mean, all I've seen are the commercials for it when I'm watching the Arrowverse shows on the CW oh. app. And I feel like that's given me enough of a window into the madness. I, I feel I should mention I have solidly week to week watched two and a half seasons of it. Is Veronica's dad a werewolf? He very well might be this season. I don't know. Who can say? Who can say? I know he was in the mafia and then him and Archie had a shirtless punch off. It happens. <laughs> everything, to be fair, everything Archie does is probably shirtless. Yes. Um, uh, all right. I also, I had a lot of like thoughts trying to come up with something to recommend to this that wasn't already more popular than this. Cause I feel like the first yeah. obvious answer is like, Oh, Shaun of the Dead. If you like Anne in the Apocalypse, you've probably already seen Shaun of the Dead. Um, you know, and, and the movies in the Shaun of the Dead canon, like Hot Fuzz and, and everything else. Um, but I think I did it because do you like science fiction adventure? with a group of, of female teen characters, all of whom are great and interesting representations. Do you like something that actually has a black character in it? Um, <laughs> you know, do, do you like something that's, that's fun and uh, remarkably well done when written by a guy and uh, does not sexualize its female characters even when they are queer? Are uh, you about to do what girls. I think you're good? Oh, <laughs> that it's, was not where I thought you were going. <laughs> It's Paper Girls. Um, That's a good recommendation. I think I was going to recommend something I wrote. Is that what I, I was like, are you getting ready to recommend Wasp? <laughs> no. <laughs> because no. it would. I mean, it's all those things also. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, so Paper Girls, uh, which is a, a comic book series, uh, is written by, you know, Brian K. Vaughn, which, you know, if, if you've already, there's, there's a good chance if you're into Anime Apocalypse, you might already be into Runaways in one form or another as well. It's an incredible comic book series. It's, it's already done, so you can read the whole thing. I think it's 40 issues total. But it is about a, a group of girls who uh, have, you know, a paper route. They're the, the one group of, you know, girls in the paper boy group. And they uh, are out, you know, doing, doing this work together because it's, I think it's Halloween night overnight and they're all you know worried about something going wrong and of course it does go very wrong but it goes wrong in a way that involves um an alien attack and time travel and uh pterodactyls with guys astride them swinging weapons and um all all this jumping around back and forth through time and clones and and everything else it is a, a wild ride um it is from image comics it's illustrated by cliff chang who also is amazing it is it is a great book through and through and uh, has a real 
has, has a few real uh, moments of heartbreak in it as well. I feel mm -hmm. like something that's got a, a lot of punch to it. But yeah, I, I recommend the hell out of that book. Um, and you, you can read the whole thing, you know, end to end right now. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, so that, that wraps it up for this time. Do you guys want to uh, let everybody know where they can find you online? You can find me on Twitter at, at BenTheCon, and you can find uh, my comics, uh, Griffin and Heavenly Blues, are available digitally on Comixology, and you can find uh, Heavenly Blues in print on the Scout Comics uh, web store. And uh, keep an eye out for Renegade Rule coming out from Dark Horse Comics uh, next spring. And you can find me on Twitter at The Myth of Psyche. And you can also listen to my other podcast, The Gotham Outsiders, anywhere you're listening to this podcast. And uh, I am on Twitter at jrome58. It's J-R-O-M-E-5-8. Uh, you can also check out my website. It's jeremywhitley.com. Uh, right now, stuff I have coming out in the, the immediate present or future is uh, I'm doing... Uh, more My Little Pony comics, but possibly more important to, to this audience is uh, Marvel Action Chillers, which starts up uh, in October and features fairly spoopy uh, stories from the Marvel Universe, following a lot of your your favorite characters, um, both from you know the the traditional lineup like Spider Man and Doctor Strange and Captain America, but also a lot of the uh, new young characters that you you may love or may not even know from marvel comics it's got Ironheart and unstoppable wasp and a few others in there so it's fun and exciting and i think if you like this you'll probably enjoy that too it's going to be four parts starting in october all right so that does it for us here uh you know feel free to uh let us all know you know how to contact us so let us know what you thought of the movie if you have any uh thoughts or comments or additions to make to uh what we've said here and uh, join us next time for, for more excitement on another episode of Aggressively Horrified. <laughs>
uh, whose work you might have might know from who hold on I'm just going to take this whole paragraph again I'm just <laughs> all over the place on that one uh, prepositions are in the wrong place tonight we're going to be talking about the 2017 movie on <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> take three it's doing so well you were, you were you were killing it you hit tonight so well <laughs> tonight tonight all right 